and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 421. That's right. It's the eighth annual Mark and Chad go to the movies. Ah, <laughs> uh, time flies. We've been doing this eight years. Well, when you think about it, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing the whole, we'll, we'll be doing the, yeah, but I'll have to see if that's technically accurate. We know this is the year, 2013 was the year we took over the show. So in the fall of 2013. So this might not be our actual eighth preview beginning of the year preview effort movie preview episode oh no no no. this is this is the eighth one i counted today did you yeah well i guess yeah the first first one didn't air in in uh until march the rest of them all aired in january yeah you you were correct it's one of those things where when you just when you just look at the gap between years it doesn't work but when you when you when you rattle off the years 14 to 21 yes that does become eight so Whew. Well, all right then. Uh, so uh, give it's it, it, this is this is uh, as it always is your episode, man. Give them the breakdown. What uh, what are we doing? How are we doing it? What are we talking about? Well, we always have some flex. We always have some flexibility in how we're doing it, basically. But what we're doing, in case you haven't been a regular listener to these episodes, is Chad and I are going to give our we're going to break these movies, the, the movies that are. And this is the big caveat, of course, this year. It turned out to be last year, too, but we didn't know that <laughs> when we did this in January of 20, that the caveat is COVID. So we so there's still a high probability that a lot of the movies that we are going to be discussing this episode will either be delayed, which is why we're not going to be talking too much about specific release dates. Just other than the fact that they're all scheduled. Every movie we're going to discuss is still scheduled as of now to come out in 2021 but we're not going to be spending a lot of time on release dates because the odds are some of these movies will end up being pushed, not just back, but it's almost inevitable. Something will be rolled over back into 2022. But usually what Chad and I do with this, we break it down into three categories, our must, you know, our must list, which we usually get down to five, our top five list. We have a whole bunch of stuff in the middle. And then we have our, our annual monkey crap list, which are movies that really don't mean absolutely anything to us. Like my definition is it's not necessarily always something that I will not see that I know there's no way I'm going to see it. That's not necessarily my criteria. It's something that I have no desire to see. And I'm, and I'm not looking forward to saying. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what what it usually ends up being for me. Like I, I have no personal interest in it, but through some way, shape or form, I'll probably end up seeing it anyways. Right. And that's how and I, that's how I think it. That's how I've basically broken it down to that. The reality year in and year out because 
again, there are some movies. I mean, usually when you hear my list, there's a couple of movies, one or two movies that people will be would be surprised that oh, you're not going to see that. It's like no, it has nothing to do with going to see it. It has to do that I have no enthusiasm for the project, and it's not. If I had to, you know, if it was life or death, if, you know, to see this movie is like what I is like what I what I want to see this movie, you know. If, mm-hmm. So that's that that's the way I always approach the monkey crap list. So. Yeah, so it's top five, three pounds of monkey crap, and then honorable mentions. I always bring a sort of fourth criteria to it, which is the list of DC Comics direct-to-market animated films, uh, which I usually save till the end of the episode, but in this case, I'll just rattle them off here. Uh, Batman Soul of the Dragon, which is already out, uh, which is, uh, as you can imagine, involves Richard Dragon and Lady Shiva and uh, Bronze Tiger. And it's a sort of Kung Fu 70s style animated Batman flick. It's already out. Go check it out if you want. Next up is Justice Society World War II, which will involve Wonder Woman, Our Man, Hawkman, Aquaman, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Jay Garrick, Flash, and Psycho Pirate. And the final thing will be a two-parter, much like the um, Death and Return of Superman, as well as Batman the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, that would It would be Batman the Long Halloween. The first part will be, I believe, in fall, and the second part in the winter. Um, there's really nothing to get into in terms of voice cast. The voice cast doesn't ever really matter anyways. It's all pretty good. Um, I think the interesting thing here is that we get a Justice Society animated film. Yes, that is interesting. Uh, based on me playing catch up, as Chad and I have been talking about, now that they added a bunch more of the DC Direct animated movies to HBO Max in the January the January dump, um, including in, which we will talk about it at some point that they've added in the Green Lantern animated series back up. They added that, so that's something we'll probably do an episode on at some point. But I did watch a bunch of these animated movies. Uh, over the over the weekend and i'm still going through them slowly it seems they do better with some of these one shots or something especially if it's not related to a direct story i'm not in time we'll go into this more in detail at, at a different time but it's just i'm a little disappointed in the liberties that they've been taking in some of these projects and you know you have to make some modifications even in reign of the superman death of doom uh death of superman where you did have three basic basically you had three hours to t- to do that story justice. And they didn't do a horrible job with it, but they changed it so much that it seems to be a common thread in a lot of these adaptations that I've seen that they've done a lot of, at least lately they've taken a lot of liberties. I mean, Gotham by Gaslight was another one that they just completely changed the basic crux of the, of the story. So I will check. I mean, as these become available on HBO max and everything, I will check more and more of them out, but that I, I would be lying. If I said my general curiosity about some of the DC direct movies hasn't taken a hit, hit the animated movies hasn't taken a hit a little bit based on what I've been catching up and watching. Yeah. But. Well, you know, I, if you want to talk about uh, the animated stuff, we should probably have an episode around it. And if we're going to, uh, maybe we should just wait until Justice Society World War II comes out. I don't know, because uh, I definitely would like to talk about Justice Society. Uh, I'd like to give it some attention, given that basically everything we've ever gotten from the direct-to-market animated films has been Batman and Superman. And Justice so, League. And yeah. some variation on the Justice League. So having having uh, a, the Golden Age would be nice, uh, just to give it the attention. Kind of kind of the same way, like where you know people say, if you really like this comic, buy it. Show the people that you like it. Well, let's give it the airtime. <laughs> I want more non-Batman, non-Superman-related uh, animated films. Give me more JSA. Give me Aquaman. Give me Hawkman. Give me Doctor Fate. Give me GL. Give me Flash. Like I, I'm I'm done with the Superman Batman. So. 
maybe if we give it some airtime, we can talk about not just we can lead off with JS, uh, the JSA, but then the animated film, but then just talk about the animated universe in general. That's true. I'm, I'm down for that. Cool. Cool. All right. So uh, we're going five to one, right? Yes. All right. Who's starting? Um, let me let me start because you're I think you're number one. We're going to have more of a conversation. You're number one. We're going to have more of a conversation about than probably a lot of movies on this list. I think. Probably. So we want you to go. So we want your we want your number. We want your number. I mean, let's see if we alternate, but we don't have to necessarily alternate anyway. Um, but let's see if I go. So I, well, if we're going to alternate, then you probably should go first, right? Because it's odd, odds and even. So, so Mark Chad. Right. That's Mark the way Chad, it should work. Chad. If you start, it'll come back to you to to go at five three one, right? And if you start five three one, you'll end five three one. No, no, no. Mark Chad, Mark Chad, Mark Chad, Mark Chad, Mark Chad. So if we're if we're doing it that way and we end at one, then I would wrap it up with the, the my, my number one would be the final that we mentioned. OK, yeah, so that's, if that's the way you want to do. It. Yes, that's that's the way. So, so yeah, so you start off. OK, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm tired. I apologize. Pete. No, no, uh, you're good. Uh, so I had I, as I mentioned to Chad, I had like I relatively quickly got this down to seven. One of which included uh, Chad's number one, so we knew that was never go- that was going to be on Chad's list no matter what. So I, I quickly crossed that one off, and then there was and then there was just one last survivor, which we'll mention when we get to the honorable mentions. But I will stick with number five being Spiral, which is the <coughs> excuse me the Chris Rock starring spin-off sequel. We don't quite know how it fits into the Saw verse, but we know it's part of the Saw verse. So the the Saw from the, the from the book of saw as they described it when they were first doing trailers for this last year when it was supposed to come out in 2020 and of course covid killed that and now it's still supposed to come out i think in i want to say may i still think it's like mayish temp uh, right now of 2020 I, I like saw i like all the movies in saw i mean not equally there's obviously like in any franchise there are movies that i prefer over others in an existing franchise but i'm interested in all of them and i like when they fit together and I like sometimes trying to figure the, you know, the common thread. So I'm curious to, I'm more curious in how this fits in by all accounts. Everything we've heard about this movie is that it does take place in a, in a universe in a world in which all those other saw movies did take place. So this is not a, just a, a complete reboot from scratch with someone else being jigsaw and it's never happened before in this universe. So that's what interests me more. The fact that Chris rock, you know, so heavily involved in this project and then he, that he's a fan of saw which is kind of cool I, I i do kind of like that when you when you have people that are you know on the surface it would seem like an obscure thing for someone to be a fan of but they are not only a fan of but they're passionate about and they like to be involved in a way like the way D- danny mcbride was so passionate and involved in you know what the halloween the idea of doing the halloween 2018 uh reboot so that's so that's my number five yeah, so I, I remember this from last year, obviously. Um, this was more, this almost seemed like more like a detective thriller than a horror movie, right? Yes, because yes, we did do the trailer. That's right, we did do the trailer. We did. Yeah, uh, you know, I, my feelings on it haven't changed. Uh, I, I am not a horror movie franchise guy. Uh, I've just never had the, I never had the appreciation for the genre, personally speaking. So although I've seen a couple of Saw movies, I don't remember if it was Saw 2 or 3. I think it was Saw 3 that I first saw. Um, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, it, I was I was too scared of horror movies for too long 
to really garner an appreciation for the genre. And now that I'm an adult, it's just like, I don't see the personal appeal. So I never, I never really dug into that, but uh, you know, I, I am enough, I am familiar enough with the saw concept and sort of universe to be curious about this one. Since it does feel more like a detective sort of thriller than horror. Um, Maybe I will end up seeing it. I'm not sure. I don't think I know anybody personally who is like, you know, obviously other than you, who is into the Saw franchise who would ask me to see this with them or put it on and at a gathering once those are things that we can do again. Um, But uh, yeah, I I honestly don't have much to say about it just because I just I don't have much with the franchise and I, I don't have much with just the genre that it comes from. It's interesting that Chris Rock is involved. It's always interesting when primarily comedians take on more serious roles. Uh, But like you said, he's got a passion for the franchise. So obviously that'll, that'll, and it's probably not the first role that Chris Rock has done that has had um, a more serious bent to it. So uh, you know, the trailer looked interesting. It didn't seem cringeworthy. So hopefully his performance is up to up to snuff and it just delivers a good film. That's what I'm hoping for, too. I'm uh, I'm not I got it. I will be honest enough to say that I I certainly was never as concerned with him being involved in this project. And, and I think I was and a lot of people when they heard Danny McBride was going to be involved in in uh, Halloween, uh, maybe because maybe because of that. It, there's a different kind of humor with the Danny McBride, you know, the, you know, the, the kind of like the stoner humor and things like that, that maybe that was more of a concern. And so, and plus, plus Halloween is just straight. Halloween is much more straight up horror as opposed to saw, which, which I think sometimes gets unfairly labeled as torture porn. Uh, I think hostile is your quintessential example. That's franchise of torture porn. Cause that literally is what you're doing. Uh, and that's what the appeal of it is, I suppose. I mean, I know there's a little crossover with that because people like seeing these really outrageous traps and what happens. But but there but there is more. But there there is more. There's a deeper concept at play here in the uh, in Saw movie. So I think. And but you're right. I think the Saw thing. This this is like a this is seems to be more of a, a detective thing, which we don't. Which really hasn't been a fact. I mean, the last Saw the last Saw movie was similar to that in the sense that it it was walking that line because it was a sequel and it was a prequel. And you didn't and you and the whole mystery was, OK, this is a Saw movie that's taking place. But yet, you know, the, everybody who was in, pretty much involved in the first like seven movies, it was are pretty much gone and off the table now as to who could be doing this. So the question is, how does it tie into it? And, and, you, and you knew that Tobin Bell was in it. So the question, of course, was, well, you knew it had to be a flashback somehow because he's dead. The character is dead. So how so there was there was like a mystery to that one, too. But this one, I think, is even more so because there's so much there's so much you don't know about this movie and when it's and the time frame it takes place and how and how it relates to the others. So I, I do think that mind you, because, you know, because it's not called saw because it's just, you know, spiral from the book of saw. And I, and I think it might get, if it does ever get released in the theater, as opposed to being you know, released uh, on home, uh, for download and for on home video and things that I think it might hurt it. If it does get released in the theater because of the lack of marketing, but I'm still interested in it. So that's one thing that, Definitely was I knew it was going to carry over for me into 2021. For sure. All right. Uh, so mine is uh, my number five is Space Jam: A New Legacy. Um, now this has got 
some pluses and it's got some minuses. So the I'll start with the minuses. It is directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who, according to IMDb, and this is where I got all this information when I spout this all off on the episode tonight. Uh, so blame IMDb if it's wrong. Malcolm D. Lee directed such notable films as Barbershop, The Next Cut, Scary Movie 5, and Undercover Brother. Um, I personally like Undercover Brother, but whatever. Uh, now, it was written by Sev Ohanian and Ryan Coogler. So here we get with the pluses. Ryan Coogler wrote Black Panther 1 and is writing Black Panther 2 and wrote Creed 1 and 2. So good writer. Didn't write Interest- he didn't write Creed 2. He didn't? No, no. But it's okay. it's, 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 but it but it doesn't change your overall conclusion. Is that, that that that's a huge plus and you have a, and you have, yes, the one who, the writer of Black Panther one and two and the one who, and the guy who create came up with this not only directed and, and wrote the script for Creed, but came up with the came up with a concept that was good enough to get Stallone to sign on board and say, Okay, it's we can do this. <laughs> yeah. So Space Jam, a new legacy. There hasn't been much footage out about it. But interestingly enough, just the other day, some footage got revealed, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we get to my number one. But the uh, HBO Max released this string, this sort of teaser trailer uh, slash commercial about the content that will be coming to their platform just as a way to advertise people to purchase the platform in 2021. Uh, among the plethora of various things advertised was a couple of seconds of clips of various films, one of which was Space Jam A New Legacy. And we did indeed see Bugs Bunny uh, back there, as well as this, one of the scoreboards in the animated universe, the way they kind of have it set up on a basketball court. Um, it looked cool. It looked colorful. Honestly, I when it comes to Space Jam, I have a low expectation because it's Space Jam. Really, what you're looking for is decent Looney Tunes animation and humor and hope that the human side of things doesn't make you smack your head and roll your eyes too much. You expect a little bit of it. Let's face it, this is not going to be a film that is uh, devoted and whose intended audience is us. But at the same time, you would think that reviving a legacy like space jam there's going to be some people are going to the people making it are going to try and put things out there that would appeal to the generation who grew up with the first space jam um so again we haven't seen anything of it we don't know necessarily what the plot is we assume the monsters are back somehow or some generation thereof or some uh, variant thereof um but uh, I, again, low expectations, interesting writer, the director isn't anybody to write home about, but it's just like it's it's got sort of backwater potential and you don't expect too much from it. So much like your number five, I kind of struggled to make to, to, to find place on my list for a fifth spot. What, what really deserved it? And, um, you know, just for nostalgia's sake, I think Space Jam pushed its way on there over some other things I'll be mentioning in my uh my uh notable mentions so space jam is on my as i'm flipping through this space jam is on my monkey crap list i don't know if i've ever sat down and watched the original space jam from beginning to end i've i've watched a bunch of it It has marvin the martian in it so it has an interest for me uh the original space jam uh and it's got you know michael jordan is in it bill murray's in it it it's kind of it's easy to have that movie as a guilty pleasure i think i this is yet an 
another fran another if you can call it a franchise it's hard to call something a franchise when there's only two movies in it including the one you're you're coming out with uh but it, let's label it as a franchise for now that it's this is one of those things that do we really need to revisit it and it comes down to and another big potential that for some people this will be a positive and some people for, this will be a negative which basically means it's in between really it means that it, that it's not it can go either way. It can help you in what, or might help you in some areas and will hurt you. It's simply put, LeBron, LeBron James is not Michael Jordan. He's not as likable as Michael Jordan. He's not as universally loved as Michael Jordan. So I don't, I, I don't think that crossed. I mean, for kids, it might be fine. You know, for the adult factor, I don't think it's going to have the appeal of not just the sentimentality and nostalgic ties to Looney Tunes. Moving beyond that, I don't think LeBron James is, is going to endear himself to as big a chunk of the audience, the adult film-going audience, as the same Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan was a was just he was just different. So, I, for me, yeah, I don't have any desire to see this movie. This this is one of the one of the things on my monkey crap list that the reality is somebody else would really want to have really want to see this movie and ask me to go see it with them for me to go see this. Would I see it on, you know, on TV? Would I see it on on demand or something? Yes, I would. I would. I would do that. Uh, or streaming, I would watch it. But I would. Do I on my own? Would I go see this in the theater? No, nah, this is definitely one of my list that I would not. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about seeing it in the theater, but it looks. It sounds like from that HBO Max trailer, we won't have to. So, sure. uh, uh, you know, I'll I'll be watching it. I'll be uh, enjoying you know, just a at home experience, but yeah, not, not much to elaborate on here. Now uh, I mentioned that all the information that I got about directors and writers and their prior uh, works comes from IMDB. Uh, that remains true. If I don't mention the credits, prior credits of a specific person, like in this case, Sev Ohanian, that's because when I pulled it up, I didn't recognize any of the films that were listed. So uh, that that'll come up later on uh, a couple of times, but I just wanted to make that clear now for, for at least my stuff in terms of my top five list it's because i didn't recognize uh their their credits uh so that's why but uh number four man your turn number four in this year's list and that's what i was kind of flipping through i was trying to find last year's list because i'm assuming it's somewhere in my notebook the same notebook that black widow is number four this year i don't know what she was last year i'm but she is number four this year i still have interest in seeing black widow obviously we haven't seen any any other trailers or footage from Black Widow, probably because they are patiently biding their time at, at Disney to see if they're actually going to. Re- What's the next plan of action with Black Widow? Since it seems inevitable, Black Widow will have to move out of its May release spot. So the question will be whether it's going, whether they're just going to suck it up at that point and put it on Disney Plus, or continue the uh, domino theory and 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 moving and moving and reshuffling movies in the MCU release schedule, even if now something gets gets pushed like really further back, maybe like the Eternals that doesn't necessarily have a strong, uh, has a, has a strong influence on current continuity that where it can't just come out next year as opposed to this year. But Black Widow still has an appeal. I, I think co- how COVID is going to affect Black Widow. If it ever does get released in the theater, we don't know. The demand for Black Widow could be higher because we haven't had an MCU movie in a th- in the theater. Uh, and we, we haven't had a Marvel MCU movie. Marvel made MCU movie since uh, Endgame came out in theaters. So there could be a, you know, so the, the thirst could be there 
to make Black Widow even more popular if it came out in theaters whenever theaters are really open or because of the delays and because of, again, it's a prequel. At the end of the day, it is a prequel that seemingly now may it probably will have, you know, things at the end in, in, in the after credit scenes and tags that relate to the future. But like a lot of people were speculating how it might tie into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that's why it had to come out first. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore since Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That, that comes out in March, right? Doesn't that roll out in March? I think so. I think. I think so. Right. Which will, which will be perfect because that's a give or take around the time when uh, when uh, WandaVision will be wrapping up that it does not look like that it, it's critical at all that Black Widow comes out either before Falcon and the Winter Soldier and or certainly it's not critical that it came out before the series even started. It could. So that could hurt the box office in the interest in that it is an old school MCU character, which we do not have a lot of in the first year slate of releases. So I think that works in in, in, in its favor. Um, still, I do have an interest. It's one of the few movies in the first the first three movies, assuming they come out in this and a semblance of the original order they were supposed to come out in. In phase four, it's the only movie I really care about in phase in the first wave, you know, the wave of phase four releases. So that's why yeah. it's number four. Yeah. So Black Widow and uh, and Eternals uh, both end up on my honorable mentions, uh, which I titled in my document honorable mentions and why. But I just put Eternals and Black Widow because it's kind of a foregone conclusion. I'll be honest, the more I see about Eternals and its visuals and uh, some of that stuff, the more I'm more interested in it over Black Widow. Um, but it's it's by a small margin. So um I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like uh, interest in Black Widow, even personally speaking, uh, or at the very least, personally speaking, I can only speak for myself here. Interest in Black Widow right now for me is waning. I think it has waned. I think uh, I think I think the COVID stuff really has really hurt Black Widow. I think that's a movie that and I think there's an, there's at least one other movie on my list just because I. That's going to did you could say the same thing about because the buzz because probably in the same in the same vein, because both these movies were so damn close to coming out. They were in when it was right on the cusp of when COVID started knocking things out. And I think Black Widow really, really, really hasn't hasn't really recovered from that. And again, I think if they if they just made a decision what they were going to do with it. And even if they decide, well, we're going to do something similar to what WB is doing. And that for Black Widow, we're going to release it in theaters, whichever theaters happen to be open. And we're going to release it on, on Disney Plus. That um, the reality is, I think if they once they make up their mind and stick to it and start pushing it, I think the interest will be there. Uh, I mean, because there was interest, there was interest for Wonder Woman 84. And I, and I, I don't know if you can honestly say Wonder Woman 84 had more interest, generally speaking, than Black Widow based on you know the legwork and everything that had been done to establish the character. Wonder Woman should be a hell of a lot more popular, but from a box office perspective, it's still, we don't know what would have happened if both these movies were released to a, in a normal movie-going environment, which movie would have actually ended up making more. Probably Wonder Woman, but still. But, it's, you know, but it should be a slam dunk. The fact is Black Widow was really t- trending towards, I think it was somewhere in like the 125 to $150 million opening range, for which for a movie about Black Widow would be pretty damn incredible, especially a prequel uh, for a, a movie that most people feel honestly is like years overdue that they should have, they should, they should have done a Black Widow movie long before uh they basically wrapped up the Infinity Saga. I do think it's waned, but I think I do think the interest is still there. And I think in, in when when it comes to the the core audience, movie going audience of the MCU, I think it's still the only one of these first three releases that people are that 
gung-ho about and really know about. I mean, you may have heard about the other projects, but it's not like we've literally, we have seen nothing from the other two movies that are supposed to come out this year. So I think Black Widow has a lot of things working in its favor. And the fact that it's still supposed to be the, the typical May, early May, end of April, beginning of May release MCU big movie right now, that I think that still works in its favor. But we, but we don't know how it's going to shake out because it's almost inevitable that it's not going to be released at that time. Well, just to finish what I was going to say, um, just, uh, you know, my interest in it is waning, but I wonder, uh, you know, kind of like we were saying, it, it would work in its favor because, you know, my general excitement for Black Widow wasn't that high to begin with. Uh, you're, you talked a little bit about um, kind of uh, people are so starved for MCU stuff. Well, that's also true, but I think also it might work in Black Widow's favor because if people are forgetting about it and anticipating it less and less as time goes on and interest is waning, then it would, if it's a good movie, if it's a fun movie, like we would expect from the MCU at this point, um, I think everybody keeps talking about, you know, they can't all be hits, you know, so we just keep waiting for that MCU turd that never really comes. Uh, So let's say this isn't the long awaited MCU turd. People, People might enjoy this film more than they thought other than they would have otherwise um, because of the sort of waning expectations and anticipation for the film. Uh, So people, you know, just might be knocked off their socks when they do see it because they're just like, oh, yeah, I forgot that was coming out. Wow, that ended up being a hell of a movie. Uh, You know, something like that. It might end up working in their favor for all we know. Um, My opinion on its looks and the plot hasn't changed. It's still the same movie so uh we'll just see where it goes uh i think you're right in terms of the timeline what's interesting uh you know that this is happening the way it is because timeline doesn't matter in black widow because it's a prequel timeline doesn't matter in eternals so for for everything i mean not that we wanted covid to happen but if covid was going to happen in terms of what the mcu had on deck um probably a good time for it to happen and throw things out of whack because uh, the timeline on these couple of movies doesn't really matter to begin with. So uh, let's just, uh, uh, it, it can be tossed around a little bit because uh, you know, it's not like they're taking place in order or anything. So let's uh, get on with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'll enjoy it. The question becomes if it does do the eventual, uh, you know, Disney plus uh, route that we all anticipate that it will, um, are they going to pull a Mulan probably and probably make us pay for it, even though we already have the platform probably. So I don't, so the way, at least personally speaking, the way I have Disney plus is my mom pays for Disney plus and my sister and I, uh, you know, use the account. I pay for HBO max and my mom and sister use the account. And then through the phone plan that we have, my sister uh, and I have Netflix. So in terms of paying for Black Widow, I would have to make the purchase via my mother's account, which I'm not going to use her money and do that. Obviously, I could transfer her money to offset the cost or anything or whatever, but then it just gets complicated. And it's just like, I don't, I'm not entirely sure I would pay additional money to see Black Widow at this point. It all depends on what's happening. It all depends on how curious I am. It all depends, obviously, on, uh, uh, you know, hype surrounding the film once it's released and what people are saying about it um but i'm i'm not at the point right now where i would go yeah you know what i'd drop whatever the cost they charge for to watch mulan was uh 
to pay additional money to watch Black Widow at this point. I don't know if they're going to do that with Black Widow. They took a, they caught a lot of hell from Mulan. Plus that model didn't really work for them. I mean, it's hard to know because that's when the problem with doing this kind of release is that it with the number of subscribers and the number, you know, that, that, there, that there is no uniformed way of reporting this information that is really private and studios can just choose what they release at this point, which is why one of the issues with this kind of targeted release is that it, you don't have a apples to apples comparison to know like how many, how, you know, how, how many people bought this, how many subscriptions did you get? I don't know if they're going to do the same model and make you have to pay something extra. I think that would look worse for them now because of what, of what WB is doing with HBO Mac, that they're not making anybody pay anything extra. If you're paying for the service that you're going to have access to this mo- these movies, even though, yes, you will have them for a month before they disappear again. The point is you will have a whole month to watch these movies and you're not paying anything extra to have the right to watch these movies. And not forget about like one, you know, like how how many times, however many times you can watch them in 24, 48 hours. No, you have them as long as they're on the platform and it doesn't cost you anything extra because that's what the rumor was. The rumor was back around the time of the Disney investors meeting when they were that when they were going to make the announcement that Black Widow was going to to Disney Plus. It was not supposed to be from if I remember correctly, the rumor was not going around that they were going to be charging anything extra for it, that they were just going to use that as a use that as a a catalyst to get more people to sign up for 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 Disney Plus. Uh, if they do charge something extra for it, I think it'll be a small amount. I don't think it would. They're going to try to do the ridiculous amount, like the thirty bucks or whatever the hell it was for Mulan. So, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I I think that would work against them right now. They, they you know they they scored they scored brownie points by when they had the Disney investors meeting by basically not announcing any of their movies going directly to. You know, none of their 2021 slate was absolutely 100 percent coming you know, going to Disney Plus first and not being released in theaters. I think we, you, Jim and I, I mean, Jim and I, you and I talked about that. The fact that it seemed to it almost like reassured people in the industry at the time when, you know, Warner Brothers pretty much kicked everybody in the nuts. The fact that they kind of like Disney could have done the same thing if they had announced Black Widow was coming coming directly to streaming, that that would have been another nail in the coffin for movie theaters. But they didn't do that. So I think they got all, they did get some brownie points from that and they got some good publicity from that because Lord knows when it comes to doing the stuff with their theme parks lately that they haven't got a lot of good publicity with a lot of the changes they're making. So I don't know what they're going to do with with Black Widow. And again, there's always a chance to be perfectly honest. There's a chance that they they if things are if they know things are looking better, but they're not going to be good enough. For May, they may just maybe it's the Eternals that once again gets pushed to next year sometime and they move Black Widow into the November slot, figuring by November we'll be OK. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, I I would probably tend if you think you're going to get decent, you that the odds are in favor of you getting decent box office, just period for any theatrical release you know, by November, if you think there's a chance that things might be at least 70 percent back to normal, maybe in November from a theater perspective. I'm not saying that's accurate. I'm just saying if you believe that or, or internal data points to that, I think the Eternals would be the one you'd push because the Eternals is a big is a much bigger crapshoot across the board. You have no idea what that movie's going to do domestically, let alone overseas. So pushing that movie back, what does it matter? I mean, doesn't mean and it doesn't and it doesn't even mean you have to push Thor or push or Doctor Strange next year. You could you could stick it in between because originally we had that moment in time when Thor was both Thor and Doctor Strange were supposed to be coming out in back to back months, and then things got and things kind of cleared up a little, and now there's a gap between like uh 
whenever Thor comes out, which is probably February, I think, and Doctor Strange, <clears throat> excuse me, Doctor Strange in May. So you could still have an, you still could have either an end of March or early April or April release of uh, the Eternals if you wanted to, or just double up because we know more. We've talked about this before. We know Marvel's going to have to really have at least one year out of the next few that they're going to have to cram a lot of shit onto the release schedule because it's the only way they're going to catch up. That's why it's kind of funny when you hear people say, oh, Feige, Feige has a plan to 2025. Well, yeah, he probably does to 2025 now because basically the last two years have been, at least from a theatrical perspective, the last two years, last year and this year, those two years could end up being complete disaster as far as having movies released according to the original time frame. So naturally, you would have things planned out to 2025 because you're still waiting to release stuff that should have come out in 2020. All right. Uh, my number four. Sure. All right. My number four is The Suicide Squad, as directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn with the help of a name that you guys might recognize, John Ostrander, who uh, obviously wrote some of the most uh, iconic, uh, most well-recognized era of the Suicide Squad comic. Um, as far as uh, credits for written by, directed by James Gunn. You guys know the name, so I don't need to do that. It does star such notables as Sylvester Stallone, Idris Elba, Viola Davis, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker, John Cena. And it stars freaking Peter Capaldi as the thinker. Like, uh, you know, at this point, you have to just consider this Suicide Squad film a wholly separate being from the first film. Uh, it's just that the the cast who's, who's involved with the direction and the writing, it's, it's just its own entity at this point. And you can't really judge it on the merits of the first film anymore. Now you could do that in terms of the direction they decided to go with say, uh, Captain Boomerang, who I refer to as Boomer. So if I say Boomer, that's what I mean. Not okay, Boomer, but you get what I mean. Um, the uh and then uh how they decided to obviously you know uh, portray harley and her looks and everything uh it just you know from from you know interviews you hear or behind the scenes footage of people on set and what they're enjoying and anticipating for this film especially with the stuff we saw in terms of um anticipatory footage fandom it just sounds like everybody's having a hell of a time on set or had a hell of a time on set seems super fun super crazy super off the wall and i just you know i'm excited to see it um i'm uh, yeah there's not a whole lot i can say uh it's it's the suicide squad it's got a shit ton of just random dc characters thrown in there uh little ones uh just attached to big names in the acting industry so like uh it's going to be, I don't know, man, uh, a mind fuck of a movie. And I can't wait to see it. The Suicide Squad is on my middle of the road list. Uh, and it's only there because of James Gunn, probably under under a different under different circumstances with a different slate of movies, especially based on the first one. It probably would be in my monkey crap list. But because it's James Gunn and because we know this kind of pl- this is in his wheelhouse, uh, I'm anticipating it being enjoyable being fun um so well we haven't we haven't seen that much from it of course we haven't seen much from lots of things but the reality is yeah i'm i i think it's gonna i think it'll be fun the odds are over not that it's a a, a high bar to clear but but it's still it's probably very likely to move into the upper echelon of of the dceu movies just because it's james gunn working with the characters so I am looking forward to it. It's it. It wasn't my last cut, but it probably if I was doing a top ten list, it probably would have it probably would have squeaked squeaked into the top ten. But 
it's certainly it's certainly something I'm looking forward. Especially now that Wonder Woman did not really do what they expected it to do. Pretty much, they were really counting on the Suicide Squad to maybe make up for that. Uh, to try to get them back on track since they've kind of had with the with the Harley Quinn movie not really doing as well and Wonder Woman not doing as well that they're kind of like back in a rut. So the Suicide Squad would seem to be the most logical movie to get them out of it. But yes, I'm I think I have higher hopes for that movie than most DC movies. Yeah, I mean, like like we say, guys, uh, release dates don't matter uh, right now. Uh, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. Uh, there's not a lot of footage out about uh, this film other than what we already talked about on our DC fandom episode. Um, as much as I want to, you know, not, you know, make things seem like they're rushed in this episode. Uh, at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and stretch for content. There's not a whole lot to say about Suicide Squad right now. Uh, there's not a whole lot to go off of. You're going off the power of James Gunn and the power of the cast. And and uh, what we've seen so far seems enticing. That's really all there is to Suicide Squad right now. If there were more trailers, if there was more stuff, if there was more news about it, then we'd obviously have more to say. But there's really there's really not a lot out there. So I guess it's on to number three. And for, mo- for a lot of the Warner Brothers stuff, I think it's safe to say we can expect to start getting more trailers and things coming out because at least they have a game plan that they seem to be sticking with. Yeah, especially well, in terms of that HBO Max. Like, right, that's what I mean. With, because cut, yeah. because of the really, the rollouts, you know, the mutual rollout between the theaters and HBO Max, that they know these movies are coming out, and so there's no doubt that you know, so there's not going to be a delay. And and as we'll talk about with yours, that you know, moving things up even. But we know these movies are going to be coming out in 2021. They're committed to that, uh, so so there shouldn't be much much of any changes with these release dates for them. And that also means they're gonna we should be able to get get more trailers and more footage from these things because you don't have to worry about putting something out. And then again, having a delay, which like what happened with black widow with all the trailers we got. And yet now it'd have to almost start from scratch because the fact that it's been like, like four or five months since we've seen anything from that yeah. movie. So number three, uh, Halloween kills, which should have been again, uh, October last year, 2020 release. Now it's supposed to be uh, this year, 2021 that, and, and based on its, when it's supposed to be coming out it it's very likely this will come out because of the fact that you would, there should be some kind of normalcy back by october when it comes to movie going even if it's not anywhere close to 100 percent yet and if not i think they'll just release this on streaming on, on demand because it's it's not just backlogging this movie it's the fact that this is the second part of a trilogy and they're and they can't release the third part till you release the second part so halloween kills us you know picking up directly where a Halloween 2018 ended and we have gotten we've gotten some snippets from it. We've gotten one a relatively small, I think, teaser trailer from it, which I think surprised people because I think actually that I think that teaser trailer actually came out after, either right after or or it was right around the time that they announced that they were pushing this movie back a year. I like the 2018 Halloween. I don't love the 2018 Halloween. I think they're. I think it's more a movie that has a few good scenes in it, some sequences that work really well. But as a movie, I have a lot of problems with it. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's that great. Tonally, there are things in it that I do like, but I am interested to see, especially at least because they're doing parts two and three, you know, doing those. Essentially, they didn't quite film them back to back, but that was the you know, the but they were that was they were there was going to be a slight gap between filming on the and I actually let me take that back now because I don't necessarily know that they filmed they've actually filmed Halloween ends yet I know the original I'm talking what the original game plan was the original game plan was 
they were filming Halloween Kills and they finished it. Then they were going to wait, I think, a couple of months, I think mostly to get some feedback from when Halloween uh, Kills comes out before they did Halloween Ends in case they needed to adjust something, which is smart as opposed to like the way the DCEU was doing stuff that they never had time to adjust on the fly because the next movie was already in production. That So I don't know, I don't actually know if they've actually filmed Halloween. I don't think they have actually filmed Halloween Kills yet. Um, I could be wrong about that. Halloween Ends, I mean. Halloween ends. Halloween kills us this year. Halloween ends will be part three. But because they knew they were filming those, basically they knew that when they were going to make the second one in this trilogy, that it was a trilogy. They knew they were making two more. And originally, at least they, when they made 2018, they already knew they had a sequel in mind because they almost filmed those two movies back to back, but they didn't want to put the cart before the horse. Gives you a little more confidence that there's actually a coherent idea going through all three of these movies as opposed to just kind of making it work. Uh, which obviously the Star Wars sequel trilogy you can point to, but even the Pirates, the original Pirates trilogy, since that was one movie, and then they decided, oh, we're going to make two more, and we filmed those back-to-back. So it's kind of a trilogy, but there really isn't one, but it isn't really one story being told in all three movies. It's kind of like one movie and then another two-parter jammed together. This seems to have a little more of a hint that it could be, it could work as a trilogy, one basic story, being told in three in three movies i'm looking forward to it i don't have crazy expectations for it it's a horror movie i think you'd be nuts to have great expectations for it but but based on what i had on my list it's still it still made it into the top three yeah because it's a horror movie we know i don't have a lot of connection to it but i did tell you uh that i saw the first halloween finally right yeah i believe you did yes yeah so uh, naturally, it makes me more curious. I'd have to I'd have to obviously sit down and watch the 2018 Halloween to see if I have really any interest, because that was the original plan. I was going to see since I had seen finally seen the original Halloween uh, to then watch Halloween 2018 as somebody who's never seen any of the movies in the franchise and see how it plays out that right. way, having no knowledge of any of the other films. Uh, and that's, I think, still the plan. Um, I don't think that I need to watch the original Halloween again as a refresher. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I I don't have much of an interest in it. To me, uh, in terms of iconic horror movie characters, uh, he's, he's really never been... Uh, one of my tops, just in, even in terms of looks, general menace, that sort of a thing. Then again, I'd never seen the film, so I don't know how I expected him to be menacing. Um, but uh, I just, you know, again, I'm not trying to drag. I'm not going to try and drag out content out of uh, out of some of these choices. But uh, I just, uh, even after seeing that first one, I have a little bit more interest in in the the franchise, just as kind of you know. See, give it its due diligence, that sort of a thing. But uh, generally speaking, I just, I, I'm, I honestly wasn't even aware that there was another film coming out this year. So I got you. Yeah, I hate it. I, I, you've, you've got stuff to say about my choices, but I don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about it all, yours. Hey, it ebbs and it, 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 it flows. Sometimes, sometimes we know it works that way. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> so my number three might actually be a little bit interesting uh, in terms of uh, coming out of left field for some people. My number three is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So um, it is being directed by Destin Daniel Cretton um, or Creighton. I'm not sure how you say it. But anyways, uh, I don't have any of his listed credits here because, again, this is one of those uh, instances where I looked it up and I didn't really recognize anything. However, it is written by Dave Callahan. 
Steve Englehart, and Jem Starlin. Those last two names you guys should recognize. But Dave Callahan was involved in Expendables 1 through 3, Godzilla, Wonder Woman 1984, and is working on Into the Spider-Verse number 2. So that's interesting. What's also interesting is, you know, you guys all know my history with Godzilla. I've talked about it any time. We've talked about Godzilla. I'm not going to go into it. Well, in addition to seeing those movies with my father, uh, here in Austin, Texas, there is a theater called the Paramount. Paramount is downtown, close to the Capitol building in Austin, Texas. Uh, and it's one of these classic downtown theaters, the ones where plays could be conducted or you could go watch an old matinee or something like that. It's got balcony seating, that sort of a thing. Really old school theater. Uh, for people out in San Antonio or who are familiar with San Antonio, this is like the Majestic or, or other such theaters. Um, the Paramount tends to have like a summer movie calendar where you can go watch old films uh, aired out there. Um, Dad took me to, even though I had already seen the film, Dad took me to go see Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, for one of those. I took him one year to go see the original Godzilla, uh, the black and white original, original Godzilla re-aired one year. But one of the things that my father took me to see uh, was a marathon of the Once Upon a Time in China films. Now, those films are pretty long, so I can't remember if it was one through three or just one and two. I don't remember us being for at the theater all damn day, so I'm pretty sure it was just one and two. But my dad likes to watch kung fu sort of, uh, you know, uh, martial arts type films. Now, we didn't necessarily get involved in like 70s psychedelic sort of stuff or, you know, the, that, that sort of era of Kung Fu or interest in Kung Fu. Just more traditional uh, sort of thing. And I say traditional, which includes things like Jackie Chan's Drunken Master, you know, things like that. But um, uh, I, I have a special spot reserved for martial arts and Kung Fu type films. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has potential to be an interesting martial arts kung fu type film and i really i didn't realize it until i noticed that uh now it's not like expendables one through three or wonder woman 1984 or even the first godzilla movie that started this new franchise are anything to write home about in terms of plot but they're not bad either uh and the fact that this has the Marvel powerhouse behind it of the MCU and that they're going to focus on this, it just has potential to scratch an itch I didn't know I had. And I'm kind of looking forward to Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings, clearly more so than Black Widow and more so than exp- the, the Eternals. Um, enough to put it on my top five list. That number three, I I am looking forward to the potential that is in this film because of its ties to the MCU and that creative powerhouse and and all just all the potential that is in this film because of of who's on it and and what production company is involved in it and that they decided to go with this uh, as their next sort of out there thing that they're gonna try. Um. I don't know what more to say about it, man. Um, I just, I am looking forward to some badass kung fu. And I, I, I really hope they don't go too special effects heavy. I just want to see some badass action sequences, some real physical, just capable kung fu. I, I mean, I know it's a Marvel movie. They have to throw in some CGI and special effects, but like, I really want to see a, a sort of a gritty 
you know, kung fu kind of film. I think you'll probably get most of what you want based on the way they're probably approaching that movie. Shang-Chi is in my middle of the road uh, list. I certainly have more interest in that than the Eternals, even though based on the cast alone, the Eternals should have more appeal. But who that? But you could have the greatest cast in the world, but if they don't show you any clips from the movie, what does it matter? <laughs> we haven't seen anything from the Eternals, and that movie should have, was supposed to originally come out last November. The reality is my interest in Shang-Chi just – I mean, I have a – I have a mild interest because I remember the character from when I was a kid and, and, you know, the master of Kung Fu comics. And of course he would so like, like every other Marvel character, they'd cross over with other characters once in a while, like Spider-Man and things like that. And so I have a little bit of attack, very little attachment to the character from, from reading the books when I was younger. But my main interest is because it ties into, it does tie into Iron Man. It ties into the, the 10 rings. It ties into man, the real Mandarin, you know, we're supposed to get, a lifting of the veils towards who the real Mandarin is, which of course, when they did that short, you know, when they did that Marvel short that made it clear that, you know, Trevor Slattery or Slattery, whatever it was, he was, we knew he was an actor, but there really was a Mandarin, you know, the character itself was real. He, uh, he just wasn't it. That, that, that interests me. Uh, I understand why I, I have more, I have less of an issue with that movie being, part of the rollout of phase four than I did the Eternals. The Eternals seems like a, that seems like a stretch to begin with. I know, I know it's Marvel and they're, and they're, and they're like, they're feeling bulletproof. So that's one of those things I think you come up with when you're bulletproof and you don't think it's going to hurt you. Shang-Chi makes sense because you figure under normal box office conditions, oh, you're going to make like half a billion dollars probably in, in the Far East, no matter what it does domestically. So we're fine. So I understand that concept. I think the Eternals is a bigger stretch. It's like when it's like DC still pushing forward, I guess, in theory, not that we hear anything about it anymore with the new gods. Nobody like cares about the new gods. <laughs> Comic book fans don't care about the new gods. Is it impossible to make a movie that people would go see and care about? No. But the Eternals are kind of the same way. Nobody really cares about the Eternals. It's almost like the Inhumans, too. And the Inhumans are probably more popular than the Eternals. And they still don't. And it's still not a huge. That's because, you know, Medusa and Lockjaw and Black Bolt. But still, it's you're still it's not primetime players here. Shang-Chi, I can see. I mean, I can see it more. It would, And I think it could depending where they want to take that uh, really where they want, they expect that to go, what part of the MCU they want to open up. Because obviously we know with blade, they're going to be opening up the horror aspect of the MCU, which of course opens the door for, you know, werewolf by night. And, and obviously if they're going to, if they're going to have the tie-ins between the Sony verse and the MCU verse, which we know it seems certainly, it seems like they're going to that, that opens the door for maybe Morbius and crossing over it or vice versa. Some of the other supernatural characters in the MCU crossing over and with Morbius and other things like that too. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it. It's not a movie. Again, Shang-Chi is not a movie I'm super pumped for, but it's certainly not the movie I'm least pumped for that we know is coming out this year, again, barring changes. So I can see your interest, especially if you grew up being a fan of martial arts movies. And almost everybody likes martial arts movies to a certain extent. Uh, that I can see the appeal of that. And it it is kind of, I mean, it is kind of a risk. There's no doubt it's a risk. I don't think it's as 
I don't think it's as big a risk as the Eternals because they find it hard to believe it's going to cost nearly as much to make. <laughs> I think the budget on the on Shang Chi has to be considerably less than what they're spending on the Eternals. Not just because of the cast, even though not every member of the cast is a big name. We just know they have Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie and things, but they but they do have a lot of other kind of like more B tier talent on that movie too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I will feel better about Shang Chi once we see something from it. It might sell me a little bit more, but as it is, again, it's still in the it's still in my middle of the road and relatively high in my middle of the road list. All right, yeah, I don't have much else to say about it. I, I agree with you. I I, I I didn't think about it. It was almost a foregone conclusion that it would do well in the East, uh, but it's I'm not entirely sure it would though, because much the same, I, you know, kind of think of it the same way as I think of Americanized Godzilla films. The East doesn't generally give a shit about the the American Godzilla films. Uh, they sort of see it as their property. Now it is, so it's a different it's a different you know, forgive the pun, but it's a different beast uh, between the kaiju and you know martial arts films. But I know that there is an inherent bias in the East towards Americanized Godzilla as as is but maybe to a lesser extent, Americanized Kung Fu and martial arts. Uh, so, uh, but you're right. You're right. It probably will do better in the East just inherently, uh, even with that. But well, I think it also, I mean, I mean the cast, the, I mean, the cast is probably almost exclusively going to be going to be Asian and you don't know how the movie's going to look. I mean, if it looks as they cap, as, if they capture the look enough that it feels almost like a traditional martial arts movie, then that might, that might assuage some, you know, people who do look at things similarly, like you said, to the to the monster. But a lot, at least with the monsters, the monster movies, what they usually tend to do is they usually throw in a whole lot of Americans or change the whole plot to be American centric and then only have one or two Asians in there. And that might not play as well, clearly, if it's especially if it's your character. Yeah. Uh, but I so I think that I think the tone is going to be different with Shang-Chi. So we'll but we'll see. There's there's absolutely a risk there because the the risk the big risk is we don't know how that movie is going to do domestic. We don't know. I mean I mean you feel confident when a more when Marvel releases a movie that you're looking at, especially since they haven't had anything do really really poorly in a while. That you're probably looking at worst case scenario like Ant Man numbers, as mm-hmm. opposed to even going down to things like the you know the Incredible Hulk back you know in, in the early days of the of the of the MCU that you feel confident that it's still going to do okay even if it's not going to do great domestically. And if it, and, and for something like Shang-Chi, if you know you're going to rack up three, four, $500 million overseas, and you can afford to pull in you know, $150 million total domestic because you're still going to be way ahead of the game, especially if your movie's, if your movie's only costing like 100 or $150 million. Actually, it probably wouldn't even cost that much to make. I, I should go see if they show what the, what the estimated budget of that movie is, but I'd be stunned that that movie's like a $150 million movie. I would... I would suspect it couldn't a hundred million dollars, I think would be a lot for a movie like that. Unless there's a lot more seat, a lot more special effects in it than we think. But you would think by the nature of that movie, it, it wouldn't be a, the need for as much of that. So, yeah, I think I, I think I have more confidence in Shang-Chi across the board than I do in the Eternal. All right. Number two. Uh, number two, which, again, I know was on my list last year. I don't remember where it was on it. Fast Nine, F Nine, Fu, whatever the whatever the current name of it is, I was really pumped for that movie last year when it when it was about to come out, um, and that along with Black Widow were the two biggest casualties of the you know the first 
major waves of cancellation. And in fact, so you got to give Universal credit. I mean, I think a lot of people thought at the time when they canceled, because I, I had my damn tickets for, for F9. I already had my tickets for uh, like the Thursday night it was coming out when they uh, canceled it, postponed it because of COVID. That, that everybody thought, I mean, not everybody, many people I think thought at the time that Universal was really jumping the gun by postponing that movie an entire year. It's like, are you kidding? You could just postpone it like six months. Things would be fine. Well, it turns out they were really smart and ahead of the game, considering they haven't had to have 55 reshufflings of their release schedules. Like they pushed it back from May of last year to May of this year. Doesn't mean it's going to come off. It probably the odds are against it, but they've only, but they haven't had to do anything as far as going to multiple release date changes. Now the negative is people, you know, they had just released that, you know, released the trailer, you know, the, with, the, with John Cena and more importantly, having Han back at the end from Tokyo drift and everything else. So we got to get that story, how he's alive. I think I think the, the interest in that movie was really starting to get amped up and much like black widow's interest seemingly was peaking and then boom, COVID comes and derails it fast. Nine probably will be able to get that back on track. Once they pick, once they figure out when it's actually going to come out and they start pushing it again, I think that would probably be a movie that would be pretty easy to get the interest back up for, but it definitely took a hit like black widow did. But I'm I am very interested in seeing it. And it hasn't really it's one of those things that I've been looking forward to ever since it got pushed. I was looking forward to it. So I'm I'm still looking forward to the uh, hopefully getting that in the first half of this year. But if not, hopefully this year, at the very least. So, you know, my history with Fast yes. and the Furious franchise um, in terms of what I've seen. But uh, surprise I've been keeping a secret from you. I have purchased the box digitally set. all of the uh, films as well as Hobbs and Shaw. And I finished <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw just the other night. I have now seen every film in the Fast and Furious franchise, including Hobbs and Shaw. So I am up to date. I have you, seen them all. Did you like Hobbs and Shaw? I enjoyed it. Uh, I, did, I did too. So the thing, I have one problem with Hobbs and Shaw. The... And I know it's part of the comedy, but the incessant bitch fest between the two of them of <laughs> yeah. making of making fun of each other. It it got a little too grating in Hobbs and Shaw. There was a little too much of it in there, but otherwise enjoyable. Um, I've enjoyed the Fast and Furious franchise. It went a very weird place um, for street level uh, street racers. Um, but like, you know, you got to turn it into an action franchise somehow. I still think it makes more sense than the expendables, but like, you know, that's not really saying a whole lot to be honest with you. Um, so that's why, uh, F9 is something I was, uh, anticipating. Um, I don't think even though knowing it would have been on your list, I don't think I would have put it on my top five, even now that I'm caught up on the franchise. Um, I don't. Uh, but but it definitely would have made my curiosity honorable mentions. Um, so I'm I'm definitely gonna see it. Uh, if, if nothing else for collector mentality, you know, I've I've got all the movies digitally, including Hobbs and Shaw, and now I've got to I've got to have five at Fast Nine too, right? So, uh, but um, you know, it was actually interesting. Uh, I I didn't so Hobbs and Shaw wasn't in the digital bundle that I bought on Vudu, but they change out what their sales are like every month or so, and maybe slightly less every three weeks, maybe. Um, 
and I ended up purchasing Hobbs and Shaw in a bundle with Skyscraper. It's a two-movie two bundle uh, with Skyscraper. I haven't watched Skyscraper yet. So it's, um, a, rock, so it's a rock two-pack. Basically, much. yeah. But I watched I watched uh, Hobbs and Shaw last week, uh, maybe this weekend. Uh, so... Yeah, it, so that's how recent my catching up has has gone. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's fun, it's enjoyable. Uh, I again, I'm interested to see how he comes back, um, given how he died. Uh, in what was it, F four, F five? Who Han? Yeah, it, Han would have died at the end of I think it was F six. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think F six and the after credits is when they. Got Han to Tokyo and because that's and when it, Shaw killed him, right? Yes, that was the first appearance yeah. of Shaw at the end of yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Shaw was the bad. Then Shaw was the bad guy in seven, and then Charlize Theron with the bad with the bad girl in eight. So yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean for sure, I'm I'm interested in it. It'll be fun. Um, I so I can't justify this 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 thread that I'm about to, or this, this thought I'm about to say by any of the films I saw, obviously some of the films are better or weaker than the others. Um, this, but overall there's a consistency and sort of quality to the fair, to the fast and furious franchise. If you're willing to suspend some disbelief, but I think with fast nine, it's just like at this point, how much further can they go? Uh, at the very least with Vin Diesel, uh, I think I think you're relying on the Rock to carry the franchise forward. Maybe, uh, maybe some of the original crew. Um, I, I, I'm not one to pay a whole lot of attention to gossip behind the scenes, but evidently there's some sort of beef between Vin Diesel and uh, and the Rock. I don't know. Uh, don't really care. I think um, they I think they worked that out though supposedly. Okay, but which, I, which they would have had which they would have had to because eventually if, if they really are supposed. To, if they really are supposed to be basically two parts of part 10, which wrap everything up and then it's just spinoffs after that. That's what supposedly is the game plan for now. F10 is going to be split, I think, into two movies and that will wrap everything up. You know, you have to get you have to get Hobbs and probably Shaw back into this thing in, in, in one of the F10. So in a way, you, no matter what, even for the franchise, you were going to have to suck it up and make it work, even though they made technically they made F8. They made what F8 work and they were never technically ever on screen together because they never shot their scenes together <laughs> so so the the rumor then is that john cena's character is the the etienne director from hobbs and shaw is that right say that again so no 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 i i, I don't th- no i don't think i i don't know if i've ever heard that i know i i don't i i don't think they'd be making him that big a big a brain character the pun pulling the strings. I don't. I mean, so. I, I mean, maybe. Uh, I've also, but there's also other rumors I've seen online, like uh, Ryan Reynolds's character in Hobbs and Shaw is the director. So who knows? Um, but uh, so we don't know if the director is supposed to be the bad guy uh, in in F9. I don't think he. I'm not going to say there won't be any ties to it, but I still think, based on everything we saw in the in the trailer, that it's that that's Charlize Theron cipher along with John Cena playing. Dom's brother, they are the bad guys. It doesn't mean that you won't have somebody above them, or maybe you get to reveal at the end. Because again, if you're going to try to wrap all these things up, you would think. Well, you would think Cipher has to be involved in Etienne's organization. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, like yeah, I mean, like I'm interested in the franchise. I'm interested to see where it goes. But I think, like most, I think uh, it, it is. It, we have begun the ticking clock of its uh, 
of its uh, decline. Uh, so it's sort of time for it to, to, to evolve or get off the stage. And um, I think, th- and I think they know that. I mean, I yeah. think that I think, I think it's a com it's a combination of the fact that, you know, you have a limited shelf life, arguably the movie from a box office perspective that the franchise peaked with the last one with Paul Walker in it, that arguably that was the one because people had, because that became more of an event movie because Paul Walker died. So it was the interest that you knew they were, they, they had to stop and they, and they rewrote the movie, I guess to, they had to change the ending because Paul Walker wasn't necessarily going to be available. And then they had to rework the footage that they had to basically make it work the best they could and shoot around it by using his brother and CGI and things like that. But there was an intro that became, that made it kind of like in a much different way. And certainly even from an acting perspective, but still it was a death that created buzz around a movie, much like Heath Ledger's death created the buzz around the dark Knight. that nobody was going to see Paul Walker's final outstanding performance. No, that's not the point, but people, people were curious to see how they were going to handle that, what kind of send off they were going to give the character and, and just, there was just became more of an interest in that. Uh, It's clearly, it's clear. I mean, you can't say clearly it's on the decline because we've only had one movie. I think since that, the last, the last one was what the fate of the furious, right? That was yeah. the last one. That's what, but that was called here. I don't think it had the same title overseas. That that did not do as well as as F seven. Uh, but the reality is, it maybe it was inevitable because that could have just peaked because of Paul Walker. Maybe no movie in the franchise was ever gonna. But at least there's an end game. There is interest. They know again, and under normal box office conditions, this move, you know, Fast and Furious has kind of become like a pretty much like a billion dollar franchise. Even Hobbs and Shaw made a crap ton of money. So the reality is the, the interest, the interest is still there in that brand. So yeah, that's why, but they're smart. They're smart to wrap, to try to wrap it up and get off the exit stage left while they can. And then, yeah, then turn it over. Just then they can do spinoffs and do other things. And it's not like everything else. It's not like the main characters can't ever have a cameo or can't maybe show up in something as a, you know, down the road, but you're not going to be relying entirely on, you know, you're not going to be relying on Vin Diesel basically to carry, you know, in Michelle Rodriguez necessarily to carry the franchise anymore. Exclusive, primarily, not exclusively, but primarily. I mean, I'd be down for a Letty prequel or even a Letty standalone. But yeah, I mean, but they're still talking about doing like the female spinoff. So that, so it's not like I don't mean to imply that's and I was thinking that as I was saying it. I don't mean to imply that oh she's necessarily not, you know going to be out of left field, and and she's going to be put out the pasture. Uh, after they wrap up the proper series. I just mean that as far as relying on those two characters being in the movie together or the relationship between the two characters. Now the Paul, or, or even uh, even bringing in, uh, what's your face? Jordana Bru- not Jordana Brewster. Is it Jordana Brewster? Is that the one who plays his sister? Uh, oh, 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 uh, Shaw's sister? No, Dom's sister. Dom's sister. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll look. I think, I think, Jordana, I think Jordana Brewster plays her. That... That the, that the original characters from the first, like the first movie, don't need, don't need to necessarily be the ones that are in every single movie moving the action forward. They, they've expanded the universe enough, especially now, depending on what his role is. But now they brought Han back. That's pretty big because because Han was a pretty popular character, uh, and in a way, he became even more ca- more popular. You know, when he when it, even though technically because the movies are not in chronological order, that. At the time, you know, he was dead in three. It's like, how could he show up in the other movies? And it's like, well, you figure eventually they, they tell you how. But because of his role in being in five and being in six, I think Han became even more popular than he was. And I think that made so that to him coming back and being an active member of the franchise, I think definitely could have set the stage for for Han having another spinoff. They're not bringing Gal back, too, are they? 
that they brought a lot of characters back from the dead. So that, so you can't. I mean, let's be honest. The thing with the thing with Han seemed pretty decisive, though. I guess if you go back and you look at the way it was shot and you in the way it was on camera, maybe you could see how they could work around it and explain it away, even the way it was. Kind of like the way they redid the ending of of Tokyo Drift on purpose to have Shaw being you know in there knocking you know making him crash and everything. I you can't you never can say never because they brought back almost everybody who's died in this franchise. So. That I mean, I I thought her death was pretty decisive too on that plane. So the reality is, or uh, in that scene with the plane. So I I would have no issue if they brought it back. That'd be nice. That'd be nice, especially for Han, for her, for him, for her and Han to be reunited together because they were kind of cool together. But I can't never. You can never say never. I mean, the fact that they're bring. I think Han is inherently more popular a character, but I wouldn't say no. I mean, it's they brought back almost everybody so far. Who's I mean, even even Shaw's brother, you know, with Owen or whatever was supposed to be dead you thought was dead and it turned out he wasn't dead so would it really surprise you to find out that would was it giselle i think that was her character's name that that she's that she was that she really isn't dead too wouldn't surprise you you know i'm I'm excited to see han back if only just to have him sort of cut the cut the tension or be kind of a third a third cog in the machine in that dick measuring contest between Ludacris and tyrese uh yeah that that does got more and more annoying yeah, let's yeah. let's let's be honest. I mean, uh, Tyrese is good and he's good in that role, but it kind of gets like when he gets you know when, when he gets all bent out of shape. Yeah, Jordana Brewster was Mia. Uh, that when he gets when he gets be- like bent out of shape, but they, like the, the Rock and and Statham got their spinoff before his spinoff was like, dude, they're more like they're more likable than you think. Not just as the actors, but they're more well, likable yeah. than even their characters, even. Even though I, we know Shaw's comes across as a, as a dick, but he's a badass kind of dick. So he, there's still more of an in, interest in in his character. But I mean, and Tyrese plays that character really well. But Ty, Ty, Tyrese plays Tyrese. He doesn't play a character. You're right. You're you're right. He he essentially does. I can, the only thing the only thing I can see why he he had a case to be pissed was he, realistically Tyrese goes back to the second one. Yeah. So so if you're looking for time served. You know, uh, right behind, you know, Walker and and Diesel that he, he could make the case. He and Ludacris could make the case that, hey, we literally we were about as close to being there in the from the beginning as anybody else. Why are we being passed over? But the reality is they were expanding. They were expanding the universe. And these were popular characters. And they knew there would be an audience for those two characters. Uh, so and they were proven correct. <laughs> yeah. All right. My number two. Sure. Venom. Let there be carnage. Directed, directed by Andy Serkis, uh, written by Kelly Marcel, who is involved on the first Venom, the screenplay adaptation of Fifty Shades of Grey. And interestingly enough, uh, two films I'll get to in my uh, honorable mentions list, the upcoming Cruella film and the untitled Elvis Presley film. So she's got at least three movies hitting this year. Uh, as a writer so that's that's intriguing uh let's face it we all know i'm interested in it because it's venom uh it's it's the follow-up it's the sequel is woody harrelson gonna do a good job we'll see i haven't seen a trailer i haven't seen footage uh don't ask me to judge it uh i don't know what it's gonna look like Uh, i think it'll be fun i think it'll be action heavy i think that uh yeah the audience is right uh, even even though this the first Venom movie did 
way more than people expected, except I expected it to do that well. I told you guys, and I'll never let that go. I fucking told you it'd be a success. Um, let's be honest. It was a success in spite of itself. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't have the same level of uh, resolute optimism uh and uh, stick-to-itiveness with let there be carnage one can only hope that they at the very least uh replicated their secret sauce in this film uh it's almost too much to hope they improved upon it uh and and made it even better um but um i'm gonna hope for it anyways this one i'm just gonna go into it with uh with naive optimism and hope it's just a a fucking hell of a movie and you know what uh there's interest in it and i say that as a funko pop collector and and i know that sounds strange but one of the biggest funko lines right now is venomized content uh i have a wall of them behind me as i sit here right now i have every single one and uh of the regular size ones i refuse to get anything that won't fit on the damn shelf but there are venomized things out the wazoo. Uh, so um, during Black Friday and Cyber Monday, GameStop had a mystery box of uh, of Funko related stuff, as they usually do. Uh, and usually it's only a couple of things. This year, in those mystery boxes, in terms of your options, there were eight different Funko Pops to collect why because there was a venomized mr fan mr fantastic a venomized mr fantastic variant that was metallic there was a venomized invisible woman a venomized invisible woman where the invisible woman portion of her was invisible there was a venomized human torch a glow in the dark venomized human torch a venomized thing and a venomized metallic thing eight different venomized related Funko Pops to collect in one drop. And that's just one of the drops that happened in 2020. I have got uh, at least three different venomized Funko Pops still on pre-order for waiting for the content to actually drop. When these things drop, people go crazy for them. And that's just Funko Pops. Uh, so there is just an inherent interest right now in symbiotes. If you need to look further than Funko Pops, Marvel is doing something called King and Black, which involves the god of the symbiotes, Null. And that is a massive crossover in Marvel right now that is lasting several months. People out there beyond just comic book fans are hungry for symbiote related content. I think that that the the strange success of the first Venom movie put that out there and I think that this one is going to be another success in spite of itself. But here's hoping that at the very least they replicated the secret sauce from the first film. Again, we haven't seen anything, we haven't seen any teasers, we haven't really even seen any stills, so you know, who knows, but uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and back it like I did the first film, but uh, I, I, I can't help but be excited. I think you should be excited. There's no reason to think that it's not going to do at least as well, if not better than the first movie from a box office perspective. Uh, it surprised it surprised a lot of people. I think it re, I think it also benefited from the fact that critics really that was a movie that critics really ripped into it, but the fans who saw it really defended it. 
and and that was a big divide between critics and fans on on Venom. Uh, the Carnage thing, I think, is naturally it's naturally interesting to people, even if you're not a diehard Venom fan, that you kind of know that the it's much better than just Venom against the you know kind of like the generic more generic symbi- symbiotes and like in the first movie that you know Carnage carnage and venom there's there's a history there and obviously there's a history with spider-man that of course people you know there's still the 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 hint or the belief that spider-man will somehow even if it's at the end of the movie will make an appearance which clearly if venom when is venom is venom is october or is it november Uh, because we had agreed to to not uh, really lean so heavily on uh release dates i didn't even bother looking up release I'll, dates. i'll check in a second because because Mor- morbius got pushed to october and i believe spider-man is no december which would kind of leave it would kind of leave venom for um i'm on imdb right now i can look no i'm also uh, on box off june actually no it says it's the summer venom still says june 25th uh yeah so uh, if it's so if, so which is unlikely to for that to to stay but the interesting thing about that is they did not automatically push venom let there be carnage right after morbius got pushed which at least it gives the impression that there's nothing in morbius that is a big deal that you that needs to be seen before venom in their little connected universe quite the interest so and so venom could still be pushed even a month or two of need actually all the way up until december technically uh in case there's something in venom which hints at something in Spider-Man, even though it probably wouldn't be again, it probably wouldn't be anything overly critical that it couldn't come out after and accomplish either movie. That may be interchangeable enough that the correlation is, does not necessarily. It's not like there's something that has to come out in Venom first that gets referenced in Spider-Man three or some or vice versa. But a lot of people certainly are expecting the Tom Holland Spider-Man to show up at some point, even if it's a cameo to start at least bridging the gap in this little connected Sony verse. Since we, you know, we know about, you know, the Adrian Toomes thing and Morbius with Michael Keaton, that they certainly are connecting, the, connecting the dots. And that seems to be connecting the dots legitimately, not this any kind of multiverse crossing over. That seems to be you're kind of thinking at least Morbius was designed to be long before any any multiverse hijinks could throw, you know, monkey wrenches into things. I think it's I mean, the Andy Circus being a director makes it intriguing, too. I, I did like the first movie doesn't change the fact that that first trailer was bad, Chad. It was still a bad choice. They just overcame it. You can do that. It just wasn't a good first taste to put in people's mouths. I think it's going to do well. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't do well other than the box office conditions, which may have to, which are temp, you know, tempering everybody's expectations about what's a hit these days. But I, I, it makes perfect sense. You're excited. I think you should be. I think, I think it'll do very, I think it'll do very, very well. I think it's one of those movies that, Again, people need to be reminded it's coming out this year since we haven't seen shit about it, which is understandable because of the COVID schedule changes. But they do need to show us something. I mean, you can still show us a teaser trailer. That's the thing. You can show us a teaser trailer because sometimes you see teaser trailers like around a year before a movie is supposed to come out. And you can do something. So I think I think they 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 need to probably start doing doing that. But I think they'll be fine with this movie. Yeah, my final word on it is I still agree that there is a missed opportunity that this movie wasn't called Venom Maximum Carnage. Uh, 
you know, it's it's the title of his most popular storyline. It's the title of a you know public facing video game uh, that was out there in the in the market. Uh, now, obviously, if you put Maximum Carnage on the title, fans are going to expect a certain plot. But honestly, Max a Venom Maximum Carnage just sounds better. Sounds like it would test better than Venom. Let there be carnage. Um, it's a minor nitpick. The title has no impact on the film in my way, but I, I, I just felt it needed to be brought up again. I don't understand why they didn't go with maximum carnage. They could just be saving that for something else. They could, they could, they could be hedging their bets. Yeah. I mean, I mean, t- and titles, titles are important. I mean, you can over, you you can overcome a crappy title, but it's not that easy to do. It, it it a good title can it's like a book too. A good title can make a big difference between. But I can I I think that's I think that's fair. It, it's it's kind of like it wasn't surprising that the second Avengers movie was the Age of Ultron. We just know that it had nothing to do with the actual storyline called the Age of Ultron. Yeah, but but it resonated oh. and it made and it made it clear where they were essentially theoretically philosophically where they were going with it so it made sense all right number ones number one and this obviously wasn't on my list from last year because it wasn't supposed to be a release for last year so i guess uh, on my list this is the only true 2021 release and now and that hangs by a thread no pun intended because it's supposed to be a december release currently uh and that's spider-man 3 whatever the hell they're going to call the third one in the homecoming far from home uh Homeless, whatever the hell they're gonna call it, the the heavily heavily hyped, heavily rumored multiverse, crazy heavy uh sp- third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, guest co-starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, and Andrew Garfield supposedly, and Tobey Maguire, and and arguably almost every other villain that's ever been in any of the Spider-Man movies of of, of the previous to spider-man even without all the multiverse stuff being thrown into this movie i would be i'd be interested in the third spider-man having dr strange be the designated marvel character that was going to be in this movie which it's you know which we know contractually is part of what sony gets out of their deal with marvel is they get to use tie it into the mcu storylines and they get to use mcu characters so it makes sense and dr strange would be one of the biggest ones they could bring in now because they can't really use because cap and Iron Man, at least for now, are, are off the board. So it makes sense. Doc, and Doctor Strange's role, as we've talked about before, that he is supposed to be like the, the linchpin, the glue of carrying things over into in phase four and beyond. It, and they do have an, a history from Infinity War and more of an off camera relationship in Endgame. But we know they still still was a relationship between Peter Parker and Doctor Strange. So it makes sense. I think it makes sense that Doctor Strange would take over the Tony Stark role in Peter Parker's life, uh, whether whether it's his magic or other things or, or, or just the use of the multiverse to get Peter Parker off the hook from either being thought of as a murderer or being thought of as Spider-Man. That's going to be interesting to see how they do how they do that. But I am in, I am I'm also interested to see what villain we're actually getting, what real villain we're getting, not with the ones they're bringing back from previous uh, Spider-Man movies uh, in in the multiverse, if you will. No, I don't care about Jamie Foxx's Electro. Care a little bit more about Doc, you know, about uh, Molina's Doc Ock, and I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Willem Dafoe's 
Norman Osborn again, since Lord knows we need a good Norman Osborn in the MCU. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't do better than his performance as Norman Osborn, but he's certainly the best of what we've gotten so far, just with a better costume. It would, it would help a lot. But I am curious to see which Spider-Man villain is going to be the villain of this movie, because we really don't know that yet. We really don't know. Uh, and we assume there is one. We don't know if it's going to be Craven the Hunter, which would make perfect sense on some levels. We don't know. Uh, but I'm interested. I I think I've liked the, I've enjoyed the Tim, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. I have enjoyed his interaction with the MCU so far. I certainly hope Sony and Marvel continue their partnership, which I expect them to do, even if they haven't signed an agreement yet. I would expect they're going to to continue this because it's too much money to be made by both, especially with the crossover appeal of bringing some of the Sony characters into the MCU and MCU movies and vice versa. There's just there's just too much potential money to be made and interest there for the fans for that not to continue but i am pumped for spider-man it was close between f between f9 and spider-man but because i think my interest i think covid has lessened my interest a little bit in f9 because we haven't seen anything from it in so long and you're getting you know you're getting more and more info about spider-man you're getting some some photos from the film set and everything i that's the movie that right now i would say is deserved to be my number one no, it makes sense. Uh, I will say that, you know, with all the news that comes out about it, it's interesting. I'm curious. I want to see what they do with it. But I can't help but have the little warning flare go up in the back of my mind um, that it's Spider-Man 3 and they're adding this person and this person and this person and this person and uh, be a little concerned. Um uh, that uh, it'll suffer from the of the same fate as uh, its brother, uh, the former Spider-Man three, but uh, you know can't really can't really judge it based on that. That's not fair. But I can't I cannot deny that little warning flares are shooting up in the back of my head. Um, much the same way, I'm slightly concerned that uh, while you mentioned this, that it's still possible that Craven the Hunter could be involved. It seems to be more and more unlikely as we go. Um, just I, I can't tell you why. Just with all the stuff that they're bringing in, the sort of multiverse aspects and, and things like that, it just seems less and less likely. I don't know that you would want to make Craven a multiverse hopping hunter. Uh, not to say they can't do it and, done, and the Marvel can't figure out a way to do it well. Um, but still, you know, you got to have a little bit of concern if, if you take craven a hunter and make him a multiverse level hunter uh that sort of a thing i don't know uh i just think um i think uh i think what was the name of that that's that uh, art that story arc craven's last hunt yeah craven's last hunt i think you missed it i think you missed an as cool as this movie could be based on whatever it is they're planning I also think it's sort of a pity that it sort of seems like we're not getting an adaptation of Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah, but you have, but in order for that to work effectively, you have to establish the relationship between Craven and Spider-Man. I think. I think you could probably work around it. I mean, we've seen them do things before, like they obviously pulled off Civil War in a way that worked without us really having seen Tony and Cap ever be close. Which was one of the, which is why the I think Civil War is probably the best movie that the Russos did that was big in the MCU because they didn't have to they didn't have to emasculate characters in that movie like like they did in Infinity War and in Endgame and take them off the board, but they did by they 
by subtle conversation and little cues by people know by Tony and Steve knowing each other and things like that. And just cat count little things they said to each other. They did more to establish in that movie, the friendship that they had than we'd ever seen on screen before, which was always my concern about doing civil wars. Like what, where's the emotional stakes in doing something like civil war? Because we've always, we've kind of seen these characters be at odds in every single movie. So how, how so the vibe of them being super close was never there. So I think you could have, you could do something like Craven's Last Hunt, I suppose, by having some kind of having some kind of bond or some kind of familiarity between the two of them that gets established in that movie. I just don't know if it would work as powerfully. But Craven, as a villain, let's be blunt, there are there are a few vill- there are only a few major Spider-Man villains that have been completely not used, especially from his classic Rogues Gallery. And Craven the Hunter is pretty much it. I mean, they've used almost every other character, even if it's just you know, by, you know, name dropping or in bastardized versions like the Rhino with Giamatti. You know, we had the Scorpion, we had the Scorpion and Vulture pretty much mentioned in uh, uh, Homecoming. You know, there are very few of his original core. We've, we got the lizard, though. It wasn't the lizard we really wanted, you know, the, with the wrong Spider-Man. But we got, we, you know, we, we got we got the lizard, the Green Goblin, you know, we, the original wave of his, you know, the great, you know, Lee Ditko created villains that, that have defined Spider-Man. The reality is we've gotten almost all of them except for Craven the Hunter. So it would kind of be a shame if they were going to include a villain in this movie, especially since he's going to be, clearly begin the movie being wanted and being hunted. It's, it would seem like a wasted opportunity. But again, like you said, we haven't heard anybody cast in a role that we don't know. You know we haven't heard any major announcements of casting of character in this movie or even if they didn't tell you who the character was i don't think we've gotten any major announcements whether we could say oh they could be playing this person so maybe it has been swept away in the whole multiverse thing that they are they are so wrapped up in their multiverse story that there isn't going to be a unique villain a ground level villain in in the third spider-man that is going to be multiverse hopping relating to previous villains and maybe there'll be some big bad that you know, whether it's Dr. Doom, whether it's you know, Norman Osborn, whether it's somebody behind the scenes pulling a lot of the strings going on with this, that maybe there isn't an on ground, you know, on the ground level for Spider-Man to fist fight a new villain introduced in this movie. It could be, but it would. But until until we know for sure, I'm going to hold these hope that we're going to get somebody in this movie. And Craven would seem to be the most logical choice. So it doesn't matter. We don't have to spend time on this. But the, I, the three villains I thought of were Kingpin, Black Cat and Hobgoblin. I mean, so we don't have to, you know, yeah, go into I mean, how that would work. I just those are the ones. Oh, I see, of. Look, here's the thing: you you could you could have Kingpin if the rumors are true that you're bringing in what Charlie Cox is Daredevil, right? Because that rumor has been going around for a while, and the rumor is that if he is in the movie, he's already filmed his part of the movie. So if you're going to bring in D'Onofrio as Kingpin, that is viable. That is that is that is viable. Um, Black Cat's slippery slope because they've kind of they kind of started going down that road with uh, what Felicity Jones, which would have been cool, but they ne- but we never got to see that explored. Uh, Hob, I don't doing, know. I, doing Hobgoblin in this universe before Green Goblin doesn't make sense. I, no, but I know we've seen we've seen that happen before. I think it's like in some Spider-Man animated show they had the Hobgoblin first. But you're right, it it, it bastardizes it everything and i don't think they'd want to do that i mean if marvel has their if marvel has their hands in this and has the opportunity to do it you would think they'd want to do it right and we and we and they've kind of butchered the green goblins they close i mean conceptually we got more the way it really went down in the comic books we kind of got that in a really abridged fashion in the original raimi trilogy between with norman to harry and everything else 
we we got that they really completely spit the bit in in the Garfield movies but we didn't you know Norman Osborn was dying and we never you, you had to buy that Harry and Peter were friends and yeah it, it if they're gonna, if they're gonna, I, I want them to do the Green Goblin right, just like we would like them to do Doctor Doom right, because if, because even though they haven't spit the bit twice, studios have spit the bit twice on on Doctor Doom. So I'd like it to be done correctly. I guess you could, I guess you could do Hobgoblin if you wanted to, but I, but yeah. All right, my number one. Your number one. As a shock to everybody. My number one is Godzilla versus Kong, uh, directed by Adam Wingard. Uh, I never saw either of these movies, but interestingly enough, directed Blair Witch, the 2016 version, and Death Note, the 2017. Um, now, writers, this is interesting. Uh, writing credits includes five different names. Which, first, is never, which is usually not a good sign, we should point out. <laughs> the first two... Eric Pearson and Max Morenstein are screenplay by credits. The last three, Terry Rossio, Michael Doherty, and Zach Shields are story by. Eric's credits, several episodes, quite a few uh, episodes of Agent Carter, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Widow. Max's writing credits, Godzilla, Godzilla Skull Island, Godzilla, or sorry, Kong Skull Island. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Let's skip Terry for a second, because this is interesting. Michael, his writing credits. X2, Trick or Treat. King of the Monsters, Krampus, X-Men Apocalypse, Superman Returns. Zack, Krampus, King of the Monsters. Terry Rossio, check out this guy's writing credits. And I left a lot off. Keep in mind, I left a lot off. Aladdin. Return of Jafar, King of Thieves, Small Soldiers, Godzilla 1998, Treasure Planet, Pirates, Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Men's Chest, At World's End, On Stranger Tides, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Shrek, Shrek 2, and National Treasure Book of Secrets. This dude, Terry Rossio, has a shit ton of stuff on his IMDb for his writing credits. Um, but that's 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 just people in charge of the film who <laughs> help its creative direction. Now we've got this, this fourth installment in this universe that we've been building for a while. And um, it looks interesting. People who have been uh, concerned about the size of Kong. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not the fight in Kong. It's the size of the Kong in the fight, <laughs> I guess is people's concern. Which we'll talk about. Cause that's the fact that people don't, I mean, they, they firmly established yeah, that he was little. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. yeah. That he was an adolescent. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, but either way, we have seen that he is uh, slightly taller than Godzilla at this point. Uh, uh, no, seen... I don't think he's taller. He's, he, he has to, he has to, he has to lean up to punch Godzilla. Maybe. Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, he's comparable, uh, but he's comparable. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He's on an even keel. Anyways, uh, at, the action looks just as interesting and epic as it did in King of the Monsters. Um, so we will we will see. <sighs> Millie Bobby Brown is involved, obviously. But what's interesting is I don't recognize any of the other names. Skarsgård is Alexander Skarsgård. Well, well, yeah, Alexander Skarsgård is there. But like in, in terms of the rest of the cast, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Shun Oguri, uh, Julian Dennison, Lance Reddick. Kyle Chandler. I don't recognize. Well, Kyle Chandler's from this from you should know Kyle Chandler. Plus, he was in Godzilla King of Monsters. He's in Bobby, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, he's Millie Bobby Brown's father. Bob, gotcha. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, but I think we all know 
this is the film. In terms of like making some money on this franchise, if this doesn't do it, we're probably done. Don't you think? Yeah, but and that's and that's one of the biggest problems with the whole COVID thing because we know with the dual release schedule of coming out in theaters and on HBO Max, which is now as we alluded to, this movie has been moved up from May to, to March 26th. So you probably mm-hmm. can take it to the bank. That's good. That's the release date, not just because it's like two months away, but because now that now the legendary uh, 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 got the, the cheddar cheese that they wanted from Warner Brothers. since so they were supposedly asking for like around two hundred and fifty million dollars straight up from Warner Brothers to allow this movie to be released on HB to go along with them on their release schedule. So whether they got this that amount or not, doesn't matter. The fact is they obviously Warner Brothers gave them money to help offset some of the money that they knew they were not going to make at the box office because of this movie, because of the COVID schedule. That's what makes this really risky now is that you are absolutely correct. And I actually, I, I came prepared. I came prepared on this one because I opened up my, uh, well, before, before you go into the, in, into that, let me just add okay, in sorry. the perspective. It's going to take two seconds, but just add into the perspective guys. This movie had to perform before COVID in terms of critical reception and the money it made. This is and, before, and it was delayed this before. Was be- before COVID was a gleam in anybody's eyes. This is this movie had to perform to keep this franchise going. And it was pushed back before COVID because they were doing changes to it because of King of the Monsters. <laughs> right. I just wanted to make sure it was clear that th- this movie doesn't have to perform because of COVID. It had to perform even before COVID was the thing. Yes, uh, because we know o- overall, overall, this this uh, kaiju verse here, the legendary kaiju verse, however you want to f- describe it as the Godzilla verse, hasn't been a huge success financially at this point. That the biggest world, and it's still surprising. This, I mean, this may go hand in hand with what you mentioned before about like Japan and other places not li- not liking Americanized version of their monsters. That surprisingly, still the biggest, the highest grossing movie of the three of the of their movies released so far is Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island has made about forty, a little more than forty one million dollars more than the original Godzilla did worldwide, and it made it had made close to two hundred million dollars more worldwide. Godzilla King of the Monsters, which absolutely underperformed. There's no doubt about that because Godzilla King of the Monsters made it made three hundred eighty six point six million dollars worldwide. Godzilla made five twenty five point zero. So you could see the huge difference between that is a huge drop off. Uh, You also have internationally, which is even more of a surprise. Kong Skull Island just internationally made more money than any of the other movies. Uh, it made by oh, like by close over seventy million dollars more than got the original Godzilla did overseas. So so along with the fact that Godzilla overseas is underachieving, perhaps the most surprising thing financially about this is that King Kong did better than those. <laughs> King Kong did better than either one of those Godzilla movies did overseas. When you would think traditionally, you would think Godzilla is more of an American monster and Godzilla is more of an international monster. You would think Godzilla would be much more likely to do better overseas and Kong would be more likely a Kong movie might do better domestically. And the reality is while Kong did not do badly domestically, it certainly did better than King of the Monsters. And but it did make like about thirty two million dollars less than Godzilla did domestically. But again, by overseas in international box office, it killed both of the Godzilla movies. So that's fascinating to me that it did that. I This movie was in my top 
like I mentioned, this was this was one of the movies in my top seven list that I immediately knew I might as well cross off because I it was a given it was going to be on your list even before I realized even before I remembered it was your number one though I kind of suspected it would be that my interest in this movie is very very high. My concern about this movie across the board is also very very high. It's much higher than any of the other movies I want to see. I saw Blair Witch 2016. That movie is atrocious, absolutely atrocious for inheriting a brand that has already been established and trying to reboot it in a way that that movie is absolutely horrible. I can watch like the first half, maybe three quarters of that movie, but the end is just unwatchable to me. And they gave and like and they gave such a middle finger to the audience because they retcon they retcon part of the Blair Witch's backstory just so when you see something at the end of the movie you go oh that's got to be the Blair Witch and then you find out from one of his co-writers and as and uh, I think an internet chat it might have been a Twitter chat oh that wasn't the Blair Witch you saw it was something else so you purposely rewrite something only for the purpose of making people think that's what you're saying just to give them the middle finger that's like a Ryan Johnson like move uh so I if, if the Death Note thing is the one that was released on Netflix I did kind of like that but I heard people who had but I was unfamiliar with the source material. I've heard a lot of people who didn't like the source, who who were familiar with the source material, didn't like the uh, the, net, the Netflix movie. I am concerned about Adam Wingard in this movie. I am concerned. I'm also concerned with something that has been going on a lot these days. Uh, and there's a really cool video. If you've ever watched anything about Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, there's a video and specifically about the Stand miniseries and how it completely changes everything, that it's not linear anymore and focusing on characters that were never the main characters in the book. But conceptually, the whole video is about how the problem that these days when people take over franchises and the first thing they want to do is, how can I change this? As opposed to how can I make the best movie? How can I take what everybody likes and maybe and add my own flair to it. It's like, what can I do to change everything? Let's be honest. Well, I think Chad would probably agree with me on this. The most logical way of this movie should work, whatever the reason is Kong and Godzilla are fighting, and it seems like they're going to be fighting multiple times in this movie, is that something, someone, something is going to put Godzilla and Kong in a collision course together. They fight multiple times. Sometimes Godzilla does better. Sometimes King Kong does better. At the end of the day, we, we as an audience and they realize they're being manipulated by something else that's, that they need to team up to fight. They beat them together. They don't necessarily part as best buddies, but there's a grudging respect between the two and they go their separate ways. Khan goes back to Skull Island. Godzilla goes back to the water. That's the way this movie can almost guaranteed go traditionally. It makes you nervous what can happen in this movie for somebody who gets an idea. Oh, I'm going to do something completely different. I'm nervous as somebody who is inherently more of a King Kong guy. I could very see, easily see King Kong getting screwed in this. If their desire is to prop up Godzilla as, you know, even more than he is to have. Because when people say, and we've talked about this before, oh, Kong, I, I saw something today. Somebody saying, oh, how can Kong fight Godzilla? He barely could beat that thing on Skull Island. Yes, we know he was a friggin' kid. But let's move beyond that. How about Godzilla? Like the 2014. How about those Mudos who are not exactly the A-tier kaijus in the universe that Godzilla had a hard-ass time beating throughout the entire movie? So, you know, Godzilla has not exactly looked at the top of his game either. Ghidra's tough. Ghidorah's tough. But he had to get super amped up on nuclear energy to be able to beat him. King Kong is smart, should inherently be smarter. He should inherently be more agile, be better at using weapons, be better at problem solving. <laughs> and... Even for his size, even if he's not actually physically stronger than Godzilla, he could be, for his size, almost as strong. Even being shorter, he could be stronger for his size than Godzilla is for his. 
And we don't know if they're going to give King Kong a power because all these kaiju seem to have a special ability. We haven't seen Kongs yet because maybe if he has one, it didn't develop on Skull Island in that movie because he was a kid. He was he was he was he was at, he was an adolescent. And, and that was like 40 years ago. If he has anything, I I would venture a guess that it would be something sort of not uh, not as obvious. Like you'll see a couple of split scenes in a movie that allude to it, and then you'll finally get the reveal. Something like uh, enhanced healing. That's it. That's funny you yeah. said that. We're on the same page. I exa- that's exactly something that I think they could give him. He could have an adv- He could be like Wolverine. He could have an advanced healing factor, which yeah. that that I good call. That's exactly what I think too. Is a na- which is something much more natural to give him. That he, which because you could even go back and look at Skull Island and say there's a hint of that the way he's able to recover from a napalm as quick as he does. Right. That there's an element of that because, and and let's be honest, and again, I'm not saying Godzilla has some clear advantages here because Godzilla has long range weapons. Besides the atomic breath, he's got the tail. He's able, at long range, Godzilla has a clear advantage here. But now let's be honest, everybody who thinks Godzilla can win hands down wouldn't be saying that if you knew somehow, some way, his atomic breath was negated to a certain extent. Nobody would be saying it's a slam dunk then, but they're counting on the atomic breath. Well, he's had the atomic breath against everybody he's fought so far. It hasn't exactly won, It hasn't exactly been a slam dunk for him. I just want it to be respectable. I do want Kong to do well. Because he should be able to do well. Kong, you know, he's... I mean, it's like it's like any football game. Nobody tunes into a football game and go, man, I hope my team blows them out of the water. You want to see a fight. Well, I don't think that's true, Chad. I think, if, well, <laughs> I think I if mean, you're well, rooting for your team, you'd rather you just watch your okay, team win 45 well, the, to 10. The, 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 super, the Super Bowl, it's the biggest game of the year. Nobody wants to see someone get blown out of the water in, to the point where, like, there's no point in watching the rest of the, th- the three quarters. The first quarter, it's over. Oh, screw it. Then what's the point of the biggest game of the year? Same thing with Godzilla versus Kong. You don't want to see someone get blown out of the water first half of this fight. You want to see the fight go all the way. I will essentially agree with that. And I think there's a danger. There's a danger. on. I mean, mind you, there's a danger Godzilla could get shafted in this, too, because we, we've talked about the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the quote in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like, thank God he's on our side. It's like for now, which obviously foreshadows something down the road. Whether it's a heel turn or something like this, where again, if the toy leak is accurate, that Mecha Godzilla will be a factor into this movie. That he would be, he would logically be the character Kong and Godzilla would have to fight together at the end. But if it's traditional Mecha Godzilla, where he looks like Godzilla on the outside, like the term, like Terminator, living you know the living tissue on the outside and the you know the the endoskeleton underneath, that maybe even if we as a, you know even if the world figures out that Godzilla wasn't the bad guy then maybe the damage is done where they look at him differently or maybe they never find out maybe wherever the resolution takes place the da- you know there, there's da- there's damage there and maybe the whole truth isn't revealed to the world and they don't know so even mm-hmm. got, so maybe Godzilla does not necessarily make a heel turn but the way we view him changes and that sets and that sets things on a on a different collision course but we but again like you referenced the biggest it all of all of those future ideas really don't matter unless this movie is successful so in a way, this movie, while we, it's going to be really impossible to judge how financially successful this movie is because of its release schedule. I think this movie has to be has to really be successful in the eyes of the fans. I think in this movie, this has to really hit it out of the park from a fan review perspective. They have to really love this movie. If they really love this movie, I think Legendary and I think WB will go, you know, I think we're, we're on the right path here. We're on the right path. 
So let's continue on this path. Now that now that we kind of you know did the changes we did in this movie, have come learning from King of the Monsters and the first Godzilla. Let's go forward with this and see what and see what we can do. If it's not popular, if the if people say, "Oh, what a crack, what a crock," or if the same complaint, the same basic complaint is there, it's like, "Oh my God, they're spending way too much time with these human characters." Then then you're right. I think this 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 legendary relaunch of of the kaiju verse is going to crash is going to crash and burn. Yeah, I agree. All right, that is our top fives, everybody. We are two hours into this episode, uh, maybe a little less with some editing. So let's uh, let's get through our three pounds of monkey crap and honorable mentions. Uh, do we want to go three pounds of monkey crap, or do you want to just rattle through honorable mentions first? Let's ra- let's rattle through um, the honorable mentions because we don't okay. necessarily have to talk about many of these. So I'll- okay. All right, so I'll just rattle through mine real quick. I already said Eternals and Black Widow. There's an untitled Elvis biopic. I'm interested in it because I like musical biopics. Uh, there's also a movie called Respect about Aretha Franklin. Same reason. Jennifer, uh, The Jennifer Hudson movie, right? Yeah. Uh, Sherlock Holmes 3, because it, Sherlock Holmes 3. Uh, the uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is still out there. Uh, so my curiosity from that trailer still stands. Um, Raya and the Last Dragon from Disney. It looks good. The trailer looks interesting. looks well animated. I'm automatically interested in dragons. Uh, some stuff that involves just a little bit more talking here. There's a something from Netflix called Red Notice with Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Uh, it is an Interpol agent tracks an art thief sort of a film. Uh, that looks interesting. Uh, there's a prequel for the Kingsman films called The King's Man. It takes place uh, during the early 20th century and features Rasputin as a villain. Uh, the trailer seems fun enough. Um, two ones that I'm very interested in. Cruella. Emma Stone as Cruella. It also stars Mark Strong and Emma Thompson, who I really fucking love Emma Thompson in almost anything. And as a lot of people have heard over the years, one of my top two favorite movies of all time is Stranger Than Fiction. And she plays a great role in Stranger Than Fiction. And lastly, the Netflix movie Pinocchio. It is a musical stop motion directed by Guillermo del Toro and stars Kate Blanchett, Ewan McGregor, Tilda Swinton, and Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's an interesting choice for that project, <laughs> but but is that but it's animated, so I guess it probably can work. Uh, this is my middle of the road list. You mentioned some of them. Uh, the King's Man. No Time to Die, the James Bond movie, which again is going to be pu- has been pushed back like a thousand times so far. That was probably the what that to be fair was probably the first movie last year because wasn't that an April release originally last probably. year I think, and then they got pushed and they got pushed back like fifty five times. Uh, Samaritan, the Sylvester Stallone superhero movie, Ghostbusters, Venom, Top Gun, barely because I don't love the first movie. Shang Chi, the Suicide Squad, Death on the Nile which is the Kenneth Brownhour reboot of the sequel to his, his reboot of more that he, the, the Hercule Perot stuff. He started with uh, murder on the Orient express a couple of years ago, many saints of Newark, which is the Sopranos sequel uh, prequel Dune. We talked about Godzilla Kong snake eyes, which is like a GI Joe prequel mission impossible seven. Maybe though I've only seen like one of those in the theater, but I have watched them all uh, matrix. I'm interested in the matrix. <clears throat> Jungle Cruise, which was very close to being actually Jungle Cruise was in my when I was when it was a seven or eight list. Jungle Cruise was there. I'm not as interested now, but 
we haven't seen a trailer for it since like uh, about a year. And Morbius, which was the last thing pushed out of my top six, was Morbius. I'm I'm interested in Morbius. And I want to see how it ties into the Sony Spider Verse. Gotcha. So I'll I'm be- also I'm also interested in Morbius. I didn't put it on my middle of the road list, but I am interested in Morbius. So let me do my monkey crap list. There's not much. There's not okay. much really on it. We already did. We, t- we already mentioned Space Jam. The Eternals is on my clunky crap list. No interest in that movie whatsoever. Uh, it's not like I can't be swayed. No interest. No interest in the characters. And I don't. And since it's not going to have any immediate effect on the MCU, it doesn't mean much to me. A Quiet Place Two. First one was okay. I think it was overrated. I really don't have a great desire to see, see the second one. Free Guy. This I for, for for good measure I put two Ryan Reynolds movies on this list. Free Guy because I'm going to be consistent. Free Guys always looked like crap. It never looked like it was a movie that was going to make money even before COVID. I seriously doubt if it does get released in theaters, it's going to make money now. It just doesn't look, you know, Ryan Reynolds doesn't bring, other than Deadpool, he doesn't bring people to the, put asses in the seats as in a starring role. He just doesn't. And going along with that, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is the sequel to uh, What the Hitman's Bodyguard. So it, but I think it's Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds, and Salma Hayek, which is a plus. Having Salma Hayek in anything is a plus. Which is a saving grace potentially for the Eternals as well. But that's all I have on my monkey crap list. All right. So my monkey crap list has five films. Dune, as directed by Dennis Villanueva. Uh, It's got some interesting people in it. Zenadea, Jason Momoa, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista. In terms of acting lineup, I'm curious. Never saw the original Dune. I am interested in just sci-fi in general. So who knows? This could be a really cool, spacey you know, trippy sci-fi sort of film that could just be like a visual masterpiece. I uh, just probably end up seeing it because of, uh, because of some visuals and some of the crew, uh, some of the acting stuff. Uh, Resident Evil is getting a reboot directed by Johannes Roberts. Um, interesting. Uh, I did enjoy to some extent the first res the first one or two Resident Evil films. I never kept up with the franchise. Um, I, I was never interested in the games. Couldn't play them anyways. Interestingly enough, it's star uh, Robbie Amell is one of the stars from Code 8, which you and I watched, uh, and also part of the Arrowverse. And, and, and speaking of the Arrowverse, Neil McDonough uh, is in there, uh, who played Damian Dark, uh, was also Dum Dum Dugan in Captain America. Um, he is in this film, which is interesting. Uh, the Matrix 4, uh, as directed by Alana Wachowski, is on there. Um it's been so long since the Matrix films and uh, Matrix 3 left a bad taste on a lot of people's mouths. I don't know. I'm naturally curious about what they're going to do with Matrix 4. It's got Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, of course. Jada Pinkett Smith still in there. Interestingly enough, Neil Patrick Harris finds himself on the list of stars involved. Uh, I tend to like Neil Patrick Harris in general, but curious how to see how he'll be involved in this film. Uh, Mortal Kombat is getting a reboot directed by Simon McQuoid. Um, I don't recognize any of the names who are going to be in this film. So, but it's Mortal Kombat. If it looks halfway decent, I'll probably end up seeing it in some way, shape or form. Uh, and you mentioned this film, Mission Impossible 7, directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Um, I have no specific interest in the Mission Impossible films. They seem to be fun. Uh, they good action movies and stuff like that. Somehow I end up seeing every one of them. Through no fault of my own. I, I, I don't fucking I don't know. Somehow I end up seeing them. Um, obviously, Tom Cruise is in this. Uh, Simon Pegg is in this. Angela Bassett is in this. Vanessa Kirby, Shaw's sister from Hobbs and Shaw. She's in it. 
uh, and uh, goddess Haley Atwell and her Atwells are going to be on uh, display. Nice, Chad. Nice. Uh, well, a little toxic masculinity for you. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, the last Mission Impossible movie actually wasn't bad. Uh, the one with Henry Cavill in it. Uh, I thought it was thought it was an interesting movie i thought it was uh, it was a mission impossible film it did what mission impossible films do but i thought it did it pretty well i thought it was uh you know when you say that this this movie is the sixth in a franchise you're like oh, it's gonna be pretty uh popcorn flicky and not a lot of weight to it, it was actually a pretty good film just in general on its own if you take it away from its own franchise so we'll see what mission impossible 7 does but yeah all five of these I won't personally stake out myself, but I know somehow I'll probably end up seeing them. The Mission Impossible movies are entertaining. I've never I've never actively sought out to see any of them. I think almost I, the only one now it's possible that I saw two of them in the theater. I know I saw Ghost Protocol in the theater. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the. I mean, let me let me let me. I only ever saw three in the theaters. Number three. Yeah, number three. Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what the, all the all their friggin' names of the movies are. And that oh, determined. sorry, three and six. I ended up seeing six in the theater. Sorry. You saw the one with the last one. Yeah, I saw it just because we got we had free tickets to go see it, and you know we were just kind of hanging at the house one day, and I was like, hey, what the hell? Let's go see a movie. So that was Fallout. That was Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, mm-hmm. Which that's the one I think Vanessa Kirby was in too. I think she mm-hmm. was in she was in one of them. Mm-hmm. So that's not an that's not an that's not a new her being in the Mission Impossible movies is not it's not new. Um, let me just make sure I'm right on that one. Uh, yes. Yeah. She That's the one she was in. I saw Ghost, I, Ghost Protocol, I think, is the one that I saw. Is that two? No, that was I think I that's why I'm that's why I'm trying to I'm that's why I'm trying to get the list of this. And I'm trying to get the list of the of the, of the series uh, so I can look at them all real easy without typing so it gets picked up on the uh on the mic uh but the real the reality is almost almost all of these well that actually the big the first Ghost one protocol is four uh and mission impossible five uh rogue nation the others were just one two and if i saw t- i can say this if i saw two in the theater it was it was rogue nation and ghost protocol i may have only seen Four and five. Yeah, and I'm, I just can't tell you off the top of my head now. I can't tell you if I saw both of those in the theater. I know I saw at least one of those two in the theater. If I could have, but it's possible. It's possible I could have seen both. But those are the only ones that I that I did see in the theater was four and five. And all the others I saw, I saw on uh, yeah. either on, on Netflix or on Prime or something. All right. That was our eighth annual. And if you thought this episode was long, next year, guys. So, where I don't know where Mark gets his his list. I get my list from IMDb. They do a feature film release between the first of the year and the last date of the year, the thirty first of December, sorted by popularity ascending. Assuming, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that everything stays the way it is in twenty twenty one. I don't know how we're gonna do. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a freaking three three hour episode next year because just looking at the first fifty titles I'm not gonna read all of them but just the ones I myself am just like even that could even end up being on my middle of the road list so 
including the possibility that it'd be in my top five or in the middle of the road. We have the Batman, Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, Avatar 2, The Flash, Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, uh, an untitled Indiana Jones project, a Fantastic Beast, Somewhere to Find Him 3. We have Aquaman 2. We have a, another Mission Impossible film, which is depending on how seven does don't know Mark's Halloween ends. You have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse Two, another transformers movie possibly coming out who framed Roger rabbit two is getting. So that one's getting a sequel. Uh, the Lego Batman movie two is going to get something. You're going to have uh, a, even there's hell there's, I totally forgot the DC super pets movie is supposed to come out in 2022. That is just and I when I go through the list making up the movies I'm interested in, including middle of the road stuff, I tend to go through the top 200 on this list. And that's just the first 50 <laughs> uh, uh, the, the ones I'm interested in of the first 50 I'm seeing here. That's not even going into 50 through uh, 51 through 100. So I don't know how we're going to get through the list next year, but uh yeah, hell, now that I just clicked over to the next one, the Hobbs and Shaw sequel is expected next year. So, like, that's yet another one. I don't, I don't know how this is going to be done next year. Well, so, some of these things, obviously, will have better clarification from a, from, a, uh, from a release schedule perspective as this year plays out, because also how things go into production or in things that get delayed. Like the Hobbs and Shaw thing, I, I don't. I don't know what the deal is if, if that's actually real, realistic that that's going to be come out in 2022. Only because I I have yet to see anything from from Dwayne Johnson that indicates that's that there's a time frame this year to start shooting that movie. And we saw Black Adam that has to find its place into the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you would think that probably would be a higher priority for him at this point to get that get that off the ground. And either and then don't forget the reality is because Fast and Furious got pushed back a year, that could push back everything in that franchise a year. Because as far as I, they haven't even started filming Fast Ten yet, and maybe they did originally plan, and maybe they did originally plan on having a Hobbs and Shaw sequel come out before Fast Ten, but I don't remember that being the case. So maybe, maybe that's going to be pushed back too. I, yeah, a lot of these things are going to be are going to be up in the air because we have lots of things. I mean, there's even I remember there was even talk about. Uh, I remember reading not that long ago that even the sequel to Journey Two, Mysterious Island. That, that they're from a rock perspective that they're actually finally there was talk that they were going to actually finally to do the third movie which would be but to the moon from the earth to the moon i really and i that is a guilty pleasure movie for me uh journey to because of 3d part well multiple reasons first of all the movie's fun on its own but and vanessa hudgens i love vanessa hudgens but it's also that 3d in that movie was fantastic because they used jim cameron's uh, av- uh his avatar cameras to make that movie if you if you ever saw that movie in 3d that movie's 3d was fantastic <laughs> so i i i would not be gung i would not be against them if they can get most of the cast back together to do to do it so there's lots of things that get pushed back and delayed and and you have to see how things how things fall through but i'm sure we can do that episode in, this, in less than and at least no longer than this uh the, the thing that's else that will be interesting is we should be at, as we might actually be able to do a year in review movie episode which we were planning on doing last year but since nothing came out we there was no point in, in, in doing our inaugural episode because barely anything came out <laughs> hey man i got my bill and ted 
That is true. That came out really late in the game. But this year, see, at least we know what the stuff was on on HBO Max alone. We know technically if we wanted to do a, even a, an abridged year in review, we, we, we could, in theory, do it. But hopefully a lot of these things will come out, even if they have to be all kind of like pushed and sandwiched into uh, the second half of the year. But For sure. All right, man. Uh, if people want to give us their anticipated movies of 2021 or hell, their three pounds of monkey crap, <laughs> uh, how can they uh, how can they do so? Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLcast to track us down on those. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text. 708 Lantern. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right. You want to tell them what's up next? The game plan for what is next is we were gar- we're going to delve into some issue reviews. We are not going to do Grant Morrison. Chad and I kind of wish we could just make a blanket statement, period, that we're not going to do Grant Morrison. <laughs> but we probably will not touch. Right now, I think we tentatively are planning not to touch the Green Lantern until it's done, and then we'll do 10, 11, 12 and in one episode and then just talk about the run so just basically suck it up and do one more episode on the morrison regime and then move on but next week the next recording should be we're going to do future state so we're going to be doing the green lantern first issue that came out and the justice league first issue that came out and those as well as chat has special things <laughs> oh no, no. Gen- gen- generations shattered oh yes but jo- but i didn't include that only because of the fact that it was we were not going to be talking about it in length but yes we will yep. talk about the generation shattered one shot uh and then we will focus most of our specific uh reviews on green lantern and the justice league for sure uh and the special things mark's referring to just fyi guys i got two things to lead off with next episode the first is a detail all the details about a contest we'll be running uh that revolves around twitter followers so if you're not following us on twitter go go ahead and just get a little bit of ahead of cur- ahead of the curve and do it already because you know it'll involve you having to follow us on twitter um but I'll be announcing the rules. I'll be announcing all that stuff uh, next week, as well as a uh, tip about buying some uh, Green Lantern comics uh, for pretty darn cheap. So uh, definitely let you know about that. Uh, and by the way, I'm on Twitter right now, just FYI, and just thought I'd throw this out. You know that bl- that Blackest Night, Brightest Day box set that was coming out? The like the one that had binding uh, issues and all of that, but had to get re redone the factory. I believe so. Yes. It is out now. Uh, someone on Twitter has, uh, Ryan Higgins has, uh, who has posted photos of it in his, uh, in his house. Uh, yeah, it is. It is arriving in stores and on people's homes. It, it is a multi-set hardcover box set of, of it. And it also comes with a set of uh, rings too. Uh, and I'm, let me tell you, man, it looks beautiful, but man, 200 something dollars for this box set. Uh, especially when you, you know, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I, I don't have any blackest night stuff in trade format, but I do have all the single issues. So uh, I don't know that I could justify 200 plus dollars to have this beautiful box set, but I don't know, man, it looks, it looks real pretty. So maybe someday I'll end up pulling the trigger on it. I mean, it's always tempting to want to get something like that, but yeah, it, it is harder when you have all, it is harder when you have all the issues. Yeah. Um, 
especially I don't know. I think that just sums it up. And no matter what, especially and especially because they you tend to know that they release these things in different packaging with different extras over and over and over again. So it's there's there's always the am I getting the right version or should I held off and waited a little bit longer? <laughs> uh, or else because you certainly you certainly don't want to be buying five thousand different. It's, it's like it's like buying Blu-rays collections of something. It's like you have to be comfortable that with what you're getting now. If you know if, if you're it's like why it's like if if you were buying a Blu-ray Ray set of, of Fast and Furious. It's like, do you want to buy it now, or do you want to wait like another three years or so when you have all of the all these proper movies completed, so they would all be in the set? I know technically franchises never end, so at that level you'd be driving yourself crazy. But there's a little more, but it makes a little more sense than running out and buying like buying buying a box set that when you know there's another movie coming out next year in the series. It's like like buying if they had a buying a Halloween box set that inc- has all the Halloween movies and includes Halloween 2018. It's like, well, you know, Halloween kills and Halloween ends are coming out at least regardless of what comes on, comes after the, uh, you know, that, that trilogy of movies is complete that at least you don't even have that, that series of movies, that incarnation of the franchise complete. So why not wait that kind of thing? So I think sometimes that can factor into for sure. And one last thing before we go guys, just as a quick note, we don't have to talk at length about it, but Happy 73rd birthday to Joe Staten. As Mark and I record this, it is January 19th, and January 19th is the 73rd birthday of artist Joe Staten. Happy so, birthday! And you guys know he did a lot of good work with uh, Guy Gardner. He designed that uh, Guy Gardner, iconic Guy Gardner uniform. So, Good old guy. That's right. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week with some future state. Good night, everybody. Good night.